It's 56 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The alliance between NASA and Uber Elevate is growing. Yesterday at Uber's annual Elevate conference in California, company revealed NASA will engage in simulation testing of the Elevate flying taxi. The tests will run simulations of potential air collisions and other airspace movements of the craft in preparation for the anticipated Uber Air Taxi service launch in 2020. A bill in the Pennsylvania. Wait, 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 wait. Can you come back for a second? <laughs> the <clears throat> air taxi. Yeah, I guess they're gonna. It's gonna be very Jetsons-ish, maybe. Uh, but uh, what what is the vehicle? Uh, I don't know if it's an, an actual air car. car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I this is what I envision. Remember on the Muppet Show how they used to stuff Gonzo into a big cannon and fire him across <laughs> the room? That's basically what I envision this this being. It the looks, Uber cannon. It looks um. <laughs> Like um, a high-tech outer space helicopter. They can't even figure out the self-driving Uber. Didn't that whole thing shut down? Where's it going to land? Where's it going to pick you up? All that other stuff. I mean, it's going to be tough to park. You know, Carson Street gets pretty crowded on the weekend. Maybe it hovers and you just repel out of it. (laughs) Yeah, you drop down. Uh, Yeah. Like a a member of the Navy SEALs. right. Yeah. A bill in the Pennsylvania State Senate intends to expunge marijuana convictions for people who can prove they were using it for medical purposes. Democratic Senator Dalen Leach says if passed, people would have to show they have been diagnosed by a doctor as having one of the qualifying medical conditions and that they were only using it to treat the condition. The proposed measure would only affect anyone convicted prior to February 15th when legal medical marijuana became available in Pennsylvania. Officials in the U.K. are warning parents about another dumb thing kids are doing. It's the deodorant challenge. Uh, Kids are spraying aerosol deodorant on their skin for as long as they can stand it. That can cause frostbite symptoms and burns, as happened recently to a 15-year-old girl who now may need a skin graft. Girl says her injuries are extremely painful and her friends have scars as well from the challenge. Girl's parents are warning others to talk to their dumb kids about how dangerous and stupid this challenge is. Please talk to your dumb kids. Is this a generational thing? Because like I know each generation like does dumb stuff. Like in the fifties they had like chicken races and you know in the eighties everybody was like, you know, huffing Krylon or, or whatever, but it doesn't seem like it was this varied and widespread as it is right now. Well, we were talking, I think the internet gives you a false representation of things yeah. and how yeah, how big of a deal they are. So because they say it, kids are doing it, but it's like six kids. It's like six yeah. kids, yeah. Uh, that's always what happens. I mean, if you, if you drilled down on the numbers of how many people actually snorted a condom through their nose yeah. and pulled it out the other side. Or the cinnamon challenge. Right. That stuff would be in the very small numbers. I mean, under I, I wouldn't doubt if it's under 100. But it, once one of them puts it on YouTube, well, it's the new thing the it's kids a phenomenon. are doing. It's like, no, that's the one moron down the street <laughs> yeah. who now has, you know, the internet puts everyone on the same platform. And everybody, like the media outlets are so content starved that anytime they get a story, they're like, all right, we'll talk about this. What's going on with our youth? So they just spray deodorant on their arm? Just like, you know, hold it in one spot. That's really dumb. Yeah.
Uh, <laughs> Justify may have been the first horse to cross the finish line at Saturday's Kentucky Derby, but the biggest winner of the day was a Texas woman whose $18 bet on the race ended up earning her $1.2 million. Oh, wow. The woman who doesn't want to be identified placed an $18 pick five bet and correctly picked Justify to win the Derby, along with the winners of the four races that ran before it. One of those winners was even a 39-to-1 long shot, which contributed to the large payout. Winning a pick five is hard enough to do, and making that money, uh, much money off a small $18 bet, is pretty much unheard of. So what is cheating? According to a survey by adult toy shop EdenFantasies.com, these are the top 10 things Americans consider cheating. Having sex with another person. (laughs) <laughs> Only 82% consider that cheating. What? There's 18% of people out there fighting the good fight for themselves. <laughs> 63% say kissing another person is cheating. Only 63%? Yes. Duh. 44% say hanging out alone with someone of the opposite sex without telling your partner would be cheating. Okay, um, now we're getting into the weirder, kind of vaguer zone. Yeah, there's a lot of vague vagueness to some of these holding hands with another person of the opposite sex 44 percent less than half why would you hold hands with somebody else it's just weird it's just if you're cheating with someone you're not like taking a stroll you know down the strip district you know usually it's i think that was sorted a a back room affair (laughs) that was cheating in the 20s (laughs) holding a hand yeah having virtual reality sex 33 percent uh, all right, so you're getting into sort of like uh, the porn thing. Like when you well, say virtual, virtual are you talking about with the helmet on? I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was available. That's something people are doing? That and the deodorant challenge, apparently? Yeah, I don't this know. Is the same people. <laughs> For, uh, that is going to be a big thing going forward, virtual reality. And they have those like in the dark corners of the dark web. And on Reddit, they have all of those those programs. I think they tried to scrub them from all of the chat rooms, but they allow you to take a picture of anybody. Oh, yeah. I've, and I've put it on uh, vid- any video. I mean, you could you're, you know, you could make your friend star in Ghostbusters if you wanted to, but also you could have him star in another kind of Busters movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having dinner with another person of the opposite sex, 32% say that is cheating. Messaging another person of the opposite sex on social media, 25%. Uh, so the back to the dinner thing. I think if you keep anything from Secret. your spouse, yeah. yeah, and it's with the hopes of it intending up in a romantic liaison that you have now entered into the cheat zone. Yeah, what's your intention? You know the the degree of the offense. You're now in, in conspiracy to commit. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that my wife, with any when in regards to any other women, is like the the border patrol, the customs at border patrol. She's like. Do you have anything to declare? What are you declaring? I was like, I declare I have a work meeting. There will be two females there. Uh, Having sex with a sex doll. I mean, that's just weird, and you might as well put it into a cheating category so you don't have to actually, you have a reason to leave the person. Only 25% think that's cheating. I was saying to Val, it's going to become more prevalent as we go forward, the sex doll thing, but the wives are going to be like, you can't keep that thing in the house. You got to keep it out in the shed <laughs> oh. with the lawnmower. Oh, and it's just hanging up on a like next to the hoe and the yeah. The, I mean, it's it's the a hoe, hoe and the hoe. Yeah, the garden yeah. hoe. Uh, liking another person of the opposite sex posts or pictures on social media on a consistent basis. 
Uh, I mean, pretty nit- nitpicky here. Twenty-one percent. See, to me, this is like we're getting into the Minority Report. Like these are pre-crimes, where yeah. you're basically arresting yeah. somebody before they commit uh, the actual crime. Conspiracy. Racketeering on a consistent basis. I think is the thing that it's like you're a little too interested in that person. Mm. Pre-crime is an interesting phrase to use in mm-hmm. this context. Mm-hmm. And just simply following a person of the opposite sex on social media, 16% right. say well, that is cheating. Oh, you're in trouble. Cheating. Those people are. If, if you can't handle that, your relationship is in trouble. <laughs> the Bill and Ted movies are on their way to becoming a trilogy. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are set to uh, star once again as the iconic time-traveling metalheads for a third time in Bill and Ted Face the Music. The movie is currently in pre-production and it will feature the pair as middle-aged and bogged-down by family responsibilities, it's been nearly 30 years since their first adventure. Thank I'm su- God. I'm surprised that one's coming back. Yeah, me too. Well, I was the, wondering. The second one was such a cliffhanger. I got to know how it ends. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, there was <laughs> I don't no think need I to ever saw this. the second one. I didn't realize there was a second one. I think this is what's happening with Hollywood, though, is that they're so... Not that they weren't you know, iconic movies and stuff, mm-hmm. but they're so desperate for things that have worked already as opposed to new things that might not work that they're going to Bill and Ted 3. Right. Cobra Kai, the TV series. That was huge. I had talked to somebody who was watching it and it was, I think, 5 million people watched the premiere episode, which really? for a web series yeah. is pretty YouTube big. YouTube Red or whatever it is. Huge. Yeah. I saw the trailer for it. It's pretty funny. That's why Roseanne is big on TV right now. That's why the the reboot of just about every movie and TV show oh, of our Fuller youth. House. I mean, that Full House is back. This is uh, this is sort of a not funny, but maybe intellectual point. But uh, we'll see what you guys think. But I used to work for a Fortune 500 company, and we always got bogged down in what they call predictive analytics. And baseball does this. Everything. It's basically trying only to base future success off of what's worked in the past. But the problem is, is when you do that, you only look to the past and you never look to the future or anything new because you're, you find such safety in what has worked already and never take any risks as to what might work in the future. And I think that Hollywood's a good predictor. It's probably the most visual predictor of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, people are afraid for their jobs because if they go out on a limb, take a chance on something and say, trust me, this is the trend. This is where it's going. We're going to be ahead of the curve. And then it fails. They're forever scarlet lettered with that. All these movies are multi. I mean, they're investments just like stocks are investments. I mean, people are plugging money into the Avengers because they know the Avengers is going to work and they get financing from these big, you know, investment firms and they get big payoffs. Right. Yeah, and but now it's going to be the small budget horror movie. We're going to see eight billion of those plopping out. Although we already have been, I guess. But uh, with the success more of mainstream, Get out, and then yeah. what's the uh, what's the John Krasinski movie? Oh, Quiet, Quiet Place. Place. Hush, mm-hmm. hush. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet Place to me <laughs> seems like such a rip off of the Sunken Place. To me, it's oh. really playing on the success of that. I don't know that one. You don't know Get Out. Oh, uh, I've never seen it, but I know what it is. It is really good. Yeah, it's good. It was better the second time I saw it. I understood more what he was attempting to do. It it was not crystal clear to me the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, interesting little horror movie. And then I heard an interview with him. I was like, oh, I didn't get any of that. Did you ever feel like a moron? (laughs) You're like, I watched the movie Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand any of what you were trying to say the first time. 
God, I'm so dumb. And then you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, that's a metaphor for this. And oh. you feel like you need a Cliff's Notes version and be like, oh, in this scene, look at that. Like there's an annotated uh, version of it. Yeah, I, it thought, very... I felt that way the first time I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> All the I didn't metaphors. Get any of this. Just flew right over your this head. This is Beethoven guy. <laughs> well, Jordan Peele is working on his next film. It's a follow up to Get Out. It's called Us. Uh, very little info out there about uh, what it's going to be beyond a poster that was tweeted out yesterday that promises a new nightmare. From the mind of Academy Award winner Jordan Peele will hit theaters in March of next year. He's writing and directing the film. Black Panther stars Winston Duke and Lapita Nyong'o are reportedly in talks to join the cast, as is Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale. It's mm. a good cast. Lapita Nyong'o is awesome. Mm-hmm. And in his first interview since being fired from Transparent, Jeffrey Tambor admits to being mean and difficult on set, but he denies sexually harassing the two women whose accusations led to his dismissal. Referring to one of his accusers, former assistant Van Barnes, Tambor says, I dispute her account. I did raise my voice at times. I was moody at times. There were times when I was tactless. But as for the other other stuff, absolutely not. He also admits to driving his transparent castmates crazy and that lines got blurred. I was difficult. I was mean. I yelled at show creator Jill Soloway. She told me recently she was afraid of me. I yelled at the wonderful executive producer Bridget Bedard in front of everybody. I made her cry and I apologized and everything, but still, I yelled at her. The assistant directors, I was rude to my assistant. I was moody. Uh, earlier this year, following an investigation, Tamber was let go from the Amazon series, which will continue on without him. I thought, though, I saw that that got canceled. It sounds like nobody wants him back on the show anyways. Why would you want that guy back? Yeah, the 73-year-old who won two Emmys for his work as a transgender woman says he has learned to behave better on the set. Uh, it's funny because I recently rewatched uh, the Larry Sanders show. But most because we were talking about like hey the wake of the Gary Chandling documentary, mm-hmm. and, and went back. And Jeff, you were saying that it didn't to you. You didn't see I it think at I'm, the time. Th- this is the way it, I felt the same way about the Larry Sanders show as I felt about George Carlin's stand up. Is that at the t- I missed the time when it first came out, so it's groundbreakingness was probably lost on me and i had seen somebody else try to do the ex- emulated or something like that three t- four or five six right. times so it didn't seem as yeah fresh to me basically. well that's not i mean that's a that's a salient observation i mean it really is kind of that's the fact that if you weren't there to experience it and realize that this was the first time some sort of like yeah. um not cinema verite but just sort of that like reality tv yeah. uh spoofing that we see with like curb your enthusiasm people playing versions of themselves that stuff had never been done uh so it it was groundbreaking in many respects but it also is not as funny as i remember (laughs) in watching it the first time in re-watching it but the one thing about it is the hank character that jeffrey tambor played everything that you just said right there that he admitted to rather uh uh, uh, committing all of those offenses on Mm -hmm. the set they all sound like things hank would do (laughs) they like and it actually makes me think that that was less of a a great performance by jeffrey tambor in the larry sanders show show and more just really what he's like (laughs) like he's kind of like hey now Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Hank. <laughs> you know what show actually does hold up and is so funny? Arrested Development. Yeah. And he's hilarious in that, and that's about to come back for a fifth season. It is. I'm, yeah, I was thinking yesterday I need to go back and watch that. Oh, it's so funny. Will show, Arnett. I could never – You. that's not one that you can just pick up like in the middle of the day and watch two episodes of because – and they said that was actually one of the problems because it was so well-written, won all these awards, but no one could get into it. It didn't have good ratings. It's because it was so self-referential with the jokes that you needed to watch like an entire season to get 50% of the jokes that were going mm-hmm. on. So you can't just yeah. pick up one episode here and there. 
Sunny today, temperatures in the low 80s. It's 56 at DV. It's Wednesday. Glad you chose this. Story. Yeah, uh, they, I gotta find the other one. No, you don't. Yeah, Mr. Wednesday. What, the sad one? Uh, yeah, I, it's I, post penguins. Yeah, I, it got knocked off the board, but uh, yeah, we we need a happy one. Post penguins, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday. Yeah, let's close the book on that. Yeah. I felt the same way you guys felt. Is that as soon as that goal went in, I thought, oh, thank God, I'm free. I yep. can I can mow the lawn at night now. <laughs> We've been <laughs> yeah. released. I don't feel obligated to drink four Miller Lights every every other day. Well, later this morning, I, I did the math uh, of how many hours have just freed up for you, oh. how many potential calories you are saving, how many hours of sleep this is going to uh, save you, and the productivity differential at work as a result of the penguins. Okay, when you count calories, do you count the next day calories because you're tired no, and I, you're eating... I'll explain my methodology okay. a little later on this morning. It was a brief sort of summation of, and maybe based on personal experience, but I tried to make it kind of generic so that it applied to everybody. So this is a ballpark, and you will be somewhere in the spectrum of this number of hours of sleep, calories foregone, and uh, productivity at work. I mean, that's the, the funny thing about it all is I talked to so many Penguin fans who felt exactly the same way that you guys did. Mm-hmm. who feel like, I didn't want to lose to the Capitals. We just won two cups in a row. It really takes a lot out of your life to go all the way yeah. to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> Us poor fans. I was, I was, Phil, Kessel's, Phil Kessel's been skating around with a shattered rib cage, and we're like, I can't eat one more chicken finger. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was more pissed that we lost to the Capitals than I was that we lost. I just, I hate that team. I you didn't know. want to see them ever get over... The hump of beating us. Right. <laughs> that was it. I did think after they lost, I'm like, oh, now I can start eating better. And then I thought, <laughs> who am yeah, I right. kidding? We were, uh, I was no, but Seattle. you missed it. Last week, Val's back on the sauce. She's drinking um, yeah. Mountain Dew again. Uh-oh. That's a bad idea for I your know. GERD. I know. I was, uh, so I was in New Orleans for Jazz Fest for a few days. And I, I go with the same group of people every year all of whom are Pittsburghers, but they don't live in Pittsburgh anymore. They're expatriate Pittsburghers, but we went to college together at Penn State. and mm-hmm. We have a big group that goes. And this year, we were whittled down. It was a little bit smaller, and we had like uh, seven people. So going to see the Penguin games, because that's like a tradition for us every year, because mm-hmm. the postseason Playoffs. is always going on. So we you know, pick a bar in the French Quarter, and before we go out to the, the shows that night, we go and watch the Penguins somewhere. And there is always a vibe... Because it's New Orleans, so you're kind of half into the game, and you're half like, hey, we're hanging out in the quarter. This is fun. But nobody ever really cares. You know? It's not like we ever run into another group of fans, usually. Mm -hmm. Like, very rarely anything like that. But this year, Aerosmith was the Saturday night headliner at Jazz Fest. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, I've said a million times, for those who don't know, Jazz Fest is is a misnomer. It's not all jazz at all. There's, you know... One tent dedicated to jazz and 15 to rock and Zydeco and Dixieland, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for some reason, this brought out all, all, all the M holes, mm. all of like the yeah. meathead. Like there was a different element this year. We we're watching uh, the game on Saturday, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, Saturday night. A bunch of Ranger fans are in there, are in the bar. And they like literally want to fight us for rooting on the paint. Like, they're. They're not even in it. I know. 
But they they were the hating Crosby so much and losing their mind watching the game, and they're just screaming at us like trying to like pick a fight with us. And we're like, do those guys know that we're like in New Orleans right now trying to have a good time? And it reminded me that they hadn't won in so long, and that anger that had built up in them. This was less about New Orleans and more about the Penguins just win championships. <laughs> they're just you know. They're a perennial playoff, not just contender, but you can't, you know, count them out from making a run at any time with Sidney Crosby. They're, they're, the Rangers got nothing, so those people literally can't escape <laughs> when they go on vacation. They, they can't let go of that. Somebody burden. succeeding, yeah. They can't. So look at it this way, Penguin fans. The great gift we've been given is the gift of not caring. This is not turning around on itself and saying like, "Oh, we're such spoiled fans." No. This is the gift that the Penguins have given us. If you could chart out my emotions right after the goal was scored, it first was like immediate disappointment. Yep. Then it was like when Kuznetsov was doing his little Birdman routine. Was, I wanted uh, Matt Cook to come down from the rafters and jump on him with both skates and <laughs> shear both of his arms off. And then I was just totally within the span of three seconds, then I was like, that's fine. Good for yeah. you guys. And it, the whole fan base was like that. Like nobody was booing or anything like that. Everybody was just clapping. Let's go, Pens! Right, at, like literally seconds after the 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 puck went mm -hmm. in. That's the gift they've given us. Don't you see it? Yeah, contentment. Yes, we don't have to go around. We're not going to start a fight with people. We we'll just go. Ah, our belly's full of Stanley Cup rings. Sorry, <laughs> too uh, too full to give a crap about you. Yeah. Yeah, no, you go ahead and win it this year. We're all out that. of confetti. We <laughs> ran out. <laughs> Mike Pursuta coming in next with your sports on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, take it away. Sports is our brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Pirates overcame another poor outing from Yvonne Nova last night in Chicago and beat the White Sox 10-6. What do they want to know? <laughs> I think so. That was the first game. Baseball season is upon us. 16 hits for the Pirates. Nova lasted uh, just two innings, six hits, five runs, all of them earned. Two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, he allowed four runs in the bottom of the first, but the Bucks bounced back with four in the top of the second and pretty much kept hitting the ball thereafter. Tyler Glass now winds up with the win in relief. He improves to one and one. Two and a third innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. Uh, the American League agrees with the Buccos. They improved to 7-2 and two against the American League this season, and they've scored 59 runs in those nine games. Wow. I tuned into the game last night. Nova's pitch count was up so high. I was like, what inning is this? Oh, it's the first? My God, that took forever, didn't it? I, Good I about Lord. six innings of it. And I checked into the game at like 9.45, and they were like, this is the bottom of the second. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know. He had 90 pitches in the first two <laughs> innings. Yeah, he's had a couple stinkers this year. Usually he's pretty reliable. You know, he gives you seven innings, six innings, no walks, low hits, low runs, but uh, not last night. Guaranteed rate field. It ain't exactly Fenway Park, is it? <laughs> it ain't exactly Comiskey Park. Jeez. Pirates are one game out of first place in the NL Central with that 20-16 and 16 record. Uh, they trail the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. They've got another one in Chicago this afternoon against the White Sox, who, by the way, are 9-24 and 24 and really stink. Wow. So <laughs> it's a good opportunity 
again this afternoon. Trevor Williams, 4-2 and two with a 2.63 ERA. He'll be opposed by Ronaldo Lopez, 0-2, 2.43. Pirates, by the way, were 14-22 and 22 after 36 games last year. So it's still pretty... Small sample size, relatively speaking, but 2016 is not bad for what they have and whatever no. what everybody yeah. was expecting. They're waiting for everybody to pay attention and start showing up now that the Penguins are done. Yeah, coming home this Friday, Andrew McCutcheon's coming to town and those San Francisco Giants. Here's uh, here's the uh, the pirate fan and nutting uh, defender, or, or I should say organization defender's favorite thing to tell you about Andrew McCutcheon. You know, if you took away that six-head game... He'd only be hitting a buck sixty right now. Yeah, but you can't take away the six no, hit game. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point. If he took away game five, then Crystal Tang would have been only moderately disappointing for the Penguins. <laughs> but the cuts trait, I mean, look, it wasn't as if, again, we've gone over this time and time again. If you def- you can defend the individual moves. Yes. Which the you- exits are, are plausible. It's, yes. It's what you brought in to fill the void. And... and the, the fact that it's well-known at this point, even if any of those people do pan out well, they're going to suffer the same fate. Or I shouldn't say suffer. They'll be granted the same fate because people like Garrett Cole have found new life. Charlie Morton's tearing it up, but, I mean, that's through no fault of the Pirates. They, they did everything they could with Charlie Morton, I think. He just yeah just, he turned it on after he some left. Some guys find it. Yeah. Uh, and Morton was with a couple of teams before the Astros, was he not? Or did yeah. he go right there? I, I I watched the other night. He threw like a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and I was like, where the hell was that the entire time? Ground chuck. Oh, I know. And, and Garrett Cole is striking everybody out. Yeah, I think he's trying now. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I, I think his attitude here was, I'm not going to kill myself and get hurt before I get to sign my huge contract because yeah. we're, we're not going to win anyway. And now he's playing for the defending champs, and he's in an environment where well, if you winning look at that, is really important, and he's going for it. And look at that lineup too. I mean, that that's that five pitcher starting rotation for the Astros is like maybe one of the best that's ever been assembled. So maybe just competition is driving his game up too. That, you know, he's pitching against Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton's pitching yeah. great, and everybody striking everybody out. Yeah, that, you know, they knew that was a possibility. I mean, he had. I, I think it was pretty easy to. Except that Garrett Cole, if if somebody was going to go tear it up that they got rid of, it was going to be Garrett Cole, yeah. not Andrew McCutcheon. Cole, it was possible they were getting rid of a really good asset in Cole. Or it was possible they were getting rid of a guy who was up and down and disappointing and not, not ever going to live up to that uh, draft status, which he apparently has decided to do. <laughs> James Paxson was pretty good last night for Seattle. No hitter. Toronto... Uh, Falls to the Mariners five to nothing. Paxson strikes out seven and walks three and becomes the sixth player in Seattle history to throw a no hitter. Can we still talk about hockey or is it too painful? Not no. I was just explaining why it's yeah. not painful. They have granted us this uh, serenity in terms of accepting the Penguins' fate this year. Yeah, everybody got over it pretty quick. Uh, it, it'll surge back up when we see the Caps on the ice again. Yeah, and we see somebody carrying the cup around eventually if. Uh, if anybody cares to tune in, the NHL has set the schedule for the conference finals. They got to get through uh, Winnipeg at Nashville, Game Seven tonight in Nashville at eight o'clock, and then the Western Conference Final will open on Saturday. The Golden Knights uh, will be either at 
the Predators, or at the Jets. And the Eastern Conference Final is going to be on Friday. Tampa and Washington. Uh, unique dynamic to this year's Final Four. It's the first time in NHL history that the Final Four will have just one former Stanley Cup champion hmm. participating. Tampa Bay won a cup in 2004. The other teams are all searching for cup number one. That makes it kind of exciting. Yeah, for sure. I kind of like Tampa to go the rest of the way, but I'm not going to discount the Caps because of what we've seen from them in the postseason, that that grit factor that they displayed against Columbus and Pittsburgh that they never had before. Yeah, they're uh, snatching souls this year. They got they got a little something <laughs> going on. They got a belief going on. They're able to fill in for injuries. And they've got a team that's building together that, that has been kind of overlooked. Uh, you've got guys who can score when you screw up. Uh, they got secondary scoring. I mean, they uh, did. They got. Yeah. It was almost like it the it was like flipped on its head for the Penguins, Mike. It kind of was. I want to I want to put a torpedo in that secondary scoring nonsense right now. Uh, it'd be better to have it than not have it. But they had two third period leads that they lost in that Capital Series. Mm. That wasn't about secondary scoring; it was about defending. Mm-hmm. And the game they lost, the, the overtime game, yeah, it was one-one. Nobody was getting much primary or secondary scoring. It was going to be one on the other team screwing up, and the Penguins screwed up. They they tried to to pass and skate through a trap in the neutral zone. They turned it over at the other blue line. Their D was out of position, and they set up an easy pass to the net and gave up another breakaway. It's okay to win two nothing, one nothing, two to one. Those count too. It's harder. And, it's harder to score in the playoffs. Yeah, but still, like I feel like in those low scoring games, like somebody like a Max Talbot or like a remember when we were playing the Red Wings, Justin Abdelkader oh. was like always killing us. You know, hey, it's just, great to have yeah. it. But I mean, you, you blow two third period leads. That's not about yeah. secondary scoring. It wasn't the primary reason. It's, and when they lose the aspect. series by, oh wait, two games. Maybe if Latang's not running around like an idiot, we're not talking about secondary scoring. Yeah. Maybe we should be talking about Latang running around like an idiot. And what do you do about that? Oh, I think people are. I really think that the secondary scoring thing, I don't think people are pointing to it as the primary reason. It's one factor of many. And yeah. it, and it's, it, I mean, you'd clearly rather have it than not. Right. It's just, it became an invoke phrase that's probably driving you nuts because you're hearing every moron on the internet use it. Probably. Yeah. And that to your point, a lot. I know. <laughs> I really off the internet. No, I, I know that. I can tell. I know uh, you well enough to know yeah. why you're honked off about yeah. something. And then I take it out on you. Yeah, and then you just, take it on me as if I'm the guy. Just back from oh. vacation. Yeah, I really know. feel bad. No, about I don't get. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm very zen about the whole thing. I this feel is like healthy. Tom Wilson right now. I'm just, no. I took a headshot and I shouldn't have. No, it's fine. Yeah, no, you know, I, I didn't feel like you took that at me. I was. I was just observing. Uh, yeah. I mean, but it really did seem like they they did everything that the Penguins weren't able to. Uh, that the Penguins had done in the past two years. Strong yes. goaltending, yeah, they sound look, defense. They played our games. They looked like the 2016 Penguins. Yes. The, the team that entered the playoffs. Tenacity, and, great forechecking, yeah. all the all the stuff you need to but do. But when you have that kind of intangibles they've got going on, the, the top-end skill and you're getting the goaltending that you're getting from Holtby, that goaltending can mm-hmm. cure a lot of ills, too. And I thought he was just phenomenal. And Murray had some... Yeah, he wasn't as good, and he had to be... It was tougher for him, the degree of difficulty, because it's the easy pass to the net that yeah. periodically popped up. Look at all four teams that are left in the Stanley Cup Finals. They all have top-flight, basically Vezina-type candidates in goal. Pekka Connor Hellebuck, uh, Vasilevsky, and yeah. Holpe. But to me, the big uh, now that Sullivan's and lost, Flurry. 
Now that Sullivan's lost the playoff series, I, I can start questioning his decisions. And there you go. And the amount of time that they played Latang in, in a year where he was clearly wildly inconsistent and killing them. Now, I know they didn't have a lot of options on defense, but you didn't have to play him as much as you did, mm-hmm. I didn't think. And I, I'm, I'm scratching my head about Derek Broussard. Not, not leaving. didn't the, happen. Not leaving the bench in overtime. And quietly and sort of under under the radar, Ole Mata got demoted. Yeah, and that's in that series to the third pairing. I guess we can kick this around uh, throughout the day when Borky comes in. They, they don't have a lot of decisions to make contractually uh, in the off season. You know, five or six restricted free agents, uh, no uh, UFAs of note. But if, if you look at their decor, the six that they played, now six isn't enough. They, that didn't beat them either. The, the lack of depth on defense didn't kill him because nobody got hurt in the first two rounds. But uh, I would I would head into the offseason. To me, the arrow's pointing up on Schultz, Dumoulin, and Alexiak. I like all those guys. Ruedel is arrow's pointing sideways. He doesn't mm-hmm. kill you. He, he did some good things. Mm-hmm. And to me, the arrow's pointing down on Mata and Latang. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back more with Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday here on the DV Morning. Oh, yeah. All right. Hmm. DV Morning Show. Hey, did you need to get this off your chest? Do we need to wrap up? Hang- no, no. I was just thought I'd hang around for a little while. Okay. Uh, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us here this morning. I don't have a lot of tape to cut up because there was no practice yesterday because they yeah. lost. Because the uh, Penguin season is <laughs> over. Yeah. Thanks for reminding us, Mike. You seem to be getting a uh, perverse pleasure out of reminding No, 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 no. No, no the, perverse the pleasure. The season is over. No perverse it's, pleasure. Here's the problem is that Twitter... And uh, other social media platforms put uh, the greatest sports minds and an- analysts out there on the same level as morons. Just any moron with an account. And then when you read it, because you read it in the same place you're reading all of these, uh, you know, these well-informed uh, opinions. It seeps into your head like a tumor and it, it drives you crazy. You want to run your th- car into a light pole at yes. 80 miles an hour? All that. Yeah. You think it carries the same weight with people. You do. <laughs> and it doesn't. Yeah. It's just morons yelling, but that is an yeah. impossible thing to see. Also, when you look on your timeline, it is a crafted uh, timeline suited to what you want to view. Yes. And you think that everybody is seeing it all the same exact way that you are, and they're not. They don't. Everybody's experience is a little bit different, but we all elevate every opinion and everybody's whatever whimsy they have or whatever thought they want to just throw out on Twitter. We all put it in the same exact on the same stage. And that's just not it. Not everybody even sees the stuff that that you think everybody has accepted as fact. What you end up doing on Twitter is you end up aggregating in your own head and seeing patterns. If you see somebody say something enough times or like enough of the same thing being said, then you go, oh, okay, well, this thought pattern is rising to the top. The secondary scoring being one of those (laughs) things that you kept seeing on Twitter. Right. Murray's glove side. You kept seeing that being tweeted about. Do we feel better that the five hole got him beat? Yeah. Would you like it any better, little girl, if they jumped out of windows? Yeah, the Archie Bunker. Hachi, yeah, 58% of the deaths were by guns. <laughs> Would you feel any better if they jumped out of windows? Yeah. Well, yeah. there is actually a little bit of solace in that, that it wasn't the, it wasn't high glove. The, the glove that got him this time. Well, imagine this going into sporting events going forward. 
ticketing right now, and I can tell you, having just come from Jazz Fest and seeing, I don't know, I saw just under 30 concerts in wow. seven days or whatever. Wow. Whoa. Good Lord. What a stat. Well, it's like the first night <laughs> I was there, I had tickets for six shows, and we made five of them. Wow. On the You know, I got there at 4 o'clock on Thursday, and by 4 a.m., I had already been to six shows. How much boost for the whole thing? I, I, you know, not... Not a little. Average. And, uh, <laughs> not an inconsequential yeah. amount. He was just about to not say excessive. not that much, and then he was like, no, that won't fly. <laughs> but so I had ticketing for all of these events. Most of them were on my phone, all right? Mostly I had a, a group of tickets for our group, and I'd be like, all right, <laughs> everybody would walk up with me, and i go, here, I got eight right here, and then they would like... Flat, you know, they they would shoot Scan the, the gun, yeah. you know, blip, 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 blip. Okay, go ahead. Uh, now, going forward, Ticketmaster is doing everything they can to try and change this. What's happening a lot of times is people are getting screwed. You know, you could take a screenshot of a ticket, and if you get in first, you're in. Yeah, as long as you have that symbol, uh, the first one in is the first one in. Ticketmaster is looking to make it so that There'll never be a mistake, and this just seems like there's going to be so many mistakes. You have to give a DNA sample. Yeah, kind of. Facial recognition technology. Boo. <laughs> oh, that's the last thing you want to do when you walk up to a concert is get a facial. They're trying to end scalping, okay? Why? I, I, <laughs> this is a great point by you. <laughs> I mean, isn't it a service? It's the best service because there are no sellouts. Yeah, I mean, if, if you, you want to go bad enough, bad enough, you can go. Yeah, it, it gets out of hand. There's no doubt. But uh, here's the thing. Going forward, Ticketmaster envisions an experience where the only proof of purchase you'll need to get into an event is your face. No ticket necessary. This is what they're banking on. The future being all about facial recognition, not just for supporting everything. Go to what Giant if you Eagle. want to give your tickets mm. to someone? Great. You take your point. face off. <laughs> <laughs> what if you want to buy tickets for a friend? Yeah. You're B. It's a gift. Do you ever buy one ticket for yourself? What? Like No. Like 0.5% of the time? I went to a movie by myself one time, and I'm pretty sure my friends almost had an intervention. They're like, are you okay? <laughs> What's, why did you go to a movie by yourself? <laughs> Right, so I don't know how they plan on doing this. I don't know how this is going to work going forward, where you're going to show your face. Why does it have to be so complicated? Who is going to scare? And what? Uh, how much of a problem prevent, has this really been? This is all to prevent scalping. No, I think it's a way for them to just get more of your information. That's that's the, the whole thing. Is that technology basically started out as a good idea, and now it's just solving problems that no one had at the uh, cost of our humanity. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much where we're at. So Ticketmaster's main goal, which they're probably viewing at as a revenue stream, is, you know, when the FBI comes in, wants a warrant for someone's arrest and they need some facial recognition. Hey, let's just hit up Ticketmaster because they got the database now. Well, yeah, as soon as they found the Golden State Killer based on Ancestry.com or one of those genealogy sites, (laughs) that opened the door. So Google, they're having their annual developer conference right now. They're working on something called Google Duplex that will make phone calls for you. Now, say you want to make a dinner reservation at uh, Permanis, and this thing calls up Permanis for you <laughs> and has a discussion. It's not like Siri call Permanis and then you do it. 
It just does it. You say, call and make an 8 o'clock reservation to Permanis for four people. Hun, you sound like a robot. What are you saying? <laughs> you say table for four? We don't do reservations. Yeah. <laughs> the reason they say they're doing this is they want to be able to offer a service to people so that you don't have to deal with their robots. So they're offering have my you robots a robot. get in touch yeah, with your robots. That's right. You won't have to deal with a ho- horrible customer service agent again. Maybe somebody who's in the Philippines, who's reading off of a, a uh, manual and taking you through all of these steps without really hearing you or understanding you. I mean, we've all had that frustration. Like, no, no, I don't know. I don't want, I just need that. I just want, they're trying to do away with all of those frustrations for you. They also have one that will write emails for you. It's too far. Basically, it's like, you know, when you have the autocomplete stuff, Mm-hmm. Uh, whether in a text message or this uh, isn't like talk to text. No, this is send Val an email and tell her I won't be at work until Tuesday. <laughs> it's like a personal assistant because sending an email is so arduous. That's what I'm saying. We gotta it's get just, somebody to do it for us. We're not that busy. We've we've really got to calm down on this. Well, I just think that uh, they need to keep busy, and so. They have convinced themselves to a certain extent of some things being the future that may not, in fact, end up being the future. I think we should go back to like the Wild West days and just it's survival of the fittest. We're getting there, Val. I think Bill Burr said this Shut at some point, but down. he said basically technology really topped out around like 1995. Like no one was, everybody had some creature comforts, everybody had air conditioning, everybody yeah. had electricity, but then after that, then it's all been downhill. Cool. CDs, yeah. And then after that, it was, that was, that's a wrap. I do like streaming. I will say that. I like streaming. I like Netflix. I like being able to call stuff up on demand. Yeah. I, lo- I love that feature. On demand's good. But see, like, should, I, th- I think if, you're, if you if think you're so busy that you need a robot to write your emails, there should also be a parallel algorithm that looks at your Netflix br- viewing history and says, well, actually, you watched seven and a half hours of, uh, you know, of Stranger Things yeah. last mm-hmm. night, so you got plenty of time. Yeah. It has to correlate. <laughs> Something that decides whether you're yeah, are producing you anything worthwhile <laughs> yeah. or not. Yes, this is reserved for people who are actually contributing to yeah. society. This guy's got to go do brain surgery, so robot, you can send his emails. Yeah, right. You, nah, you're doing your own. You don't qualify. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, would you qualify uh, given your stand-up schedule coming yeah, up this here? this weekend, I'm gonna, or on Friday, I got uh, two shows down at the uh, arcade. We're doing just a normal stand-up show at 8, and then we're doing the stand-up get-down, which is basically like the stand-up comedy competition. Oh, yeah, competition that's a fun show. At, uh, at 11, so that'll nice. be fun. Awesome. See, you qualify. You're super busy. Super busy. Yeah. Have Every robot send me an email. Val has news coming up next. What do you got, Valerie? Um, we're going to talk about why beach vacations might be bad for you. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk with Borky later on this morning. We'll do a... Uh, <laughs> we'll eulogize the season, I guess. I heard the whole song, by the way. The whole Borky song? Yeah. Is there a you sad version for today? It's tremendous. Time for <laughs> hockey talk. This isn't going to rock. Yeah, maybe I'll record one really oh, quick. Oh, I bet it's going to rock today. Uh, yeah. I think Borky will have some opinions on. Oh yeah, he's fired up. Matt Larkin, (laughs) passionate, passionate from the Hockey News in Toronto. We'll call at nine thirty and make you feel a little better. You look surprised by that. Yeah, I I didn't know anybody from Toronto had that capability. Well, his point is the Penguins dynasty isn't done. Here's why. Oh, I thought we were just going to laugh at the Leafs and shit. Nineteen sixty-seven, Adam. Oh, we're going to do that too. (laughs) 
Also, Double M, Mark yeah. Madden, closing out the show What's today. it like being the Cubs of Canada? Except you can't say that anymore because the Cubs won. Yeah, that's true. Madden is surprisingly zen about the loss. Oh, he feels like, uh, it feels like to me a very weird. He's, he's in, in very, denial. Yeah, he's in denial. He's in a weird place. I think Madden's in a weird place. It's going to hit him when somebody else is awarded the cup from Commissioner Bettman and he's going to lose he's it. Gonna, yeah, he's being, he, he's in the total, like, stage one. No, I'm five fine. stage degree. Yeah. He's, like, he's yeah, on meds. <laughs> it's like when Killer Carlson didn't want to fight and everybody else was fighting and he was sitting on the bench saying, I'm one with the universe. Right. One with the universe. That's kind of where Mark is right yeah. now, I think. Well, we'll see if we can control him out of that 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 state at 945 this morning. He'll close out the show. I, I did the math uh, of how many hours have just freed up for you, oh. how many potential calories you are saving, how many hours of sleep this is going to uh, save you. Okay, when you count calories, do you count the next day calories because you're tired no, and I, you're eating? The, the funny thing about it all is I talked to so many Penguin fans who felt exactly the same way that you guys did, mm-hmm. who feel like I didn't want to lose to the Capitals. We just won two cups in a row. It really takes a lot out of your life to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> Us poor fans. <laughs> I was, I was, Phil, Kessel's, Phil Kessel's been skating around with a shattered rib cage, and we're like, I can't eat one more chicken finger. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, I told you there were, you know, when I was down in uh, New Orleans, there were there were Ranger fans trying to start fights with us over the Penguins, and you know, we don't do that. We don't have to do that stuff. Yeah, we got our bellies are full. Quiet confidence is what we have. Contentment, the gift. Uh, not so quiet after I get a couple pops at me. Well, there's that too. But kind of, we've uh, we just experienced one of the most unique things in sports. We saw back to back championships as part of the delivered upon promise of Sidney Crosby, who gets his third cup, nearly directed the team towards winning the fourth. But for, you know, they didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle. I've seen the Penguins in the finals six times in my life. Five cups. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and people are, I think, oh, darn it, they lost. Thank God. <laughs> I can get my life back. All right, I yeah, did do I some math. We'll go over it in a little bit. Val has news for you right now on the DV Morning Show. Valerie, what is going on? Well, here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 57 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Well, did you have a tough day in a couple glasses of wine to wind down and drift off to sleep? Well, that is a bad move. Wine messes with your sleep. Mm-hmm. All alcohol. Damn it. That glass or two of wine at night may help you fall asleep faster, but it wrecks your overall sleep quality. A new study out of Finland revealed just two glasses of wine reduces your quality of sleep by nearly 40%. Yeah. You don't get to the REM. I uh, I sent Bill the podcast, and you were probably going to listen to it anyways, but there was a sleep expert on Joe Rog- Rogan's show. Did I send it to you? You sent it to me. I haven't listened I've to it. I've referenced it at least three times on the show. Yeah, it's... You know, we're doomed. So last night I started, I'm like, all right. It's your favorite new phrase. Mm-hmm. We're doomed? We're doomed. Well, that's going to be the title have of I your been, memoir. Have I been, Randy Bauman, we're doomed. We're doomed. <laughs> have I been proven wrong at, in, in, at any point? Um, so last night I did the shut the phone down two hours before I went to bed. Oh, good for you. 
Like for the first time? Yeah. Fantastic. Did you now did you t- leave it in another room or is that your alarm? So you it's have my to, alarm. Okay, yeah, me too. Uh you know, I mean I I, I checked it and like set my alarm. It wasn't like I didn't look at my phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't park on my phone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I set my alarm. I made sure the world wasn't blowing up and I went to bed. Uh, and I did feel like I remembered my dreams. And what was your dream? Uh, it, it was a weird Elvis dream. But it, <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> I was watching the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last night. Mm. Um, you had a better I, night's sleep. I felt like it. I had a better night's sleep. That may be proven wrong, but I had one glass of wine. Because I was coming off of the New Orleans trip, and I wanted to make sure. That, <laughs> you got to ease out. Yeah, you got to wing yourself off of that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I needed to ease back. But I didn't have two, because as soon as I have two, the sugar gets me in the wine. Oh. like the, Well, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe. But the second glass of wine will get you. If you can keep oh. it to one. It's just that everything that we have one been. one giant one? <laughs> one You're bottle. Right. <laughs> they say you should read before bed. But not on your phone. I, yeah, what, because of the light, dimmer lighting. It the delays the emits. release of melatonin. And it tells your brain that you're not going to sleep yet. It screws with your brain. What if you just take melatonin? Doesn't matter. You'll you'll eventually become numb to the effects of it. See, I wondered that same thing. That it, could you counter reading off an iPad or your Kindle or your phone by taking melatonin? And I, I'm not sure if that works or it doesn't. I don't want to. I want to. Reduce the dependence on my phone. Yeah, overall. that would be nice. And just stress I, sleeping like I've never done in 20 years because I feel like it's the answer to a lot of the issues that I yes. have. I, I have that compulsion. Like I was awake at 1.30 or 2 o'clock this morning. Um, I, I was on my phone. I'm like, what's happening? Is the world blowing up? I think yeah. that we're, we're not prepared from an evolutionary standpoint. I was having this conversation with our producer, Joe, yesterday after the show. We're not prepared. Our, our lizard brain is taught to only seek pleasure and to get rewards and to be comfortable and all these things. And the shot of dopamine you get when you turn your phone on and look at it and you can just, it's instant gratification. We are not prepared to discipline ourselves and really kind of quarantine our screen time to, or limit our screen time, you know, throughout the day. But like on the weekends, I am not on my phone anywhere or the laptop anywhere near as much as I am during the week. And I don't miss it. You know, I'm busy doing other things. Yeah, this is, it's part of your job to stay informed and know what's going on. So you're, you're, you're doing your due diligence for your profession. And... It just shows you, you should feel good about that. You should feel good that on the weekends you aren't jonesing. Because me, I'm still on the phone the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, I am too. You need to go out and do some yard work, Randy. Do some laundry. It's all changing. Dust I've been doing some yard bit. work, and i got to tell you, it's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were uh, going to so hard to check your phone when in, there's soil all over your hands. exhilarating. exhilarating. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, it's absolutely infuriating. I'm dealing with those dandelions, you know, the, the, oh, the weeds. Oh, everybody's got those. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what's so funny is you asked me the other day if ours are, have gone to seed. And yeah. Now I notice every dandelion that has gone to seed. Dear Lord, there's a million of them. Well, everybody's getting killed with their allergies right now. Yeah. It is brutal. I have a Bill Murray gopher-like obsession <laughs> With these dandelions, like they pop up every day because some of them you can't even see until they sprout. 
And then, you know, those little wishing, you know, those wish things yeah, or whatever. I blow them. I think it's the seeds. They go to seed. My daughter was just out there smacking them with a <laughs> badminton racket. So now they're just, there's a million of them. I'm like, thanks, sweetie. You just crushed the whole yard. I'm out there on my hands and knees. My neighbor's like, are you for real? What are you doing on your hands and knees? I'm weeding them. I'm picking them all out with that, whatever that utensil is that you can just knife at the root. iPhone? Like a, an apple corer. No, it's... it's. It looks like an apple corer, though? Yeah. Is it round and has a hole in no. it? No. Oh. It has... It's like a... <laughs> I don't know, but the, the, the <laughs> thing you just did with your hand... Is... <laughs> Are you gardening? Very or... weird. I don't know. Pledging a fraternity. If that's a gardening yeah. tool that I'm using. <laughs> Uh, so how does the other half live? Or actually, how does the 1% live? Uh, number crunchers at Business Insider compared the lives of billionaires to the lives of average Americans to figure out just what it must feel like for a billionaire to make a big purchase. Now, I've never uh, priced a trip to Bali, but they're saying, uh, for as an example, a $1,500 trip to Bali, I would imagine it's way more than that. Yeah. Is it Bali uh, or Bali? You can't whatever. even join Bali's for that. <laughs> Bali. Uh, so a $1,500 trip to Bali is the same as an average American spending $1.11. You did totally ginser that up. <laughs> I'm taking a trip to Bali. Uh, a first-class airline <laughs> ticket from New York City to Australia for, feels like the same as an average American spending $17.72. Uh, renting a private jet feels like spending 66 bucks for the average American. Come on. Come on. The down, down payment on a $3.5 million home in Malibu, a billionaire would drop $700,000 for that, but for the average American, it's like 516 bucks. Yeah, it'd be great to be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep, that's be how pretty nice. Also, imagine not being excited about any of that that stuff. So like counter is $66 for a private jet. You would lose the excitement of like any of the stuff that you just talked about. Like getting if it if it's not a big deal to you, then it's not a big deal to you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Yes. It's all relative. It's all contextual. In the context of my life, getting right on a private plane is a huge deal. It yeah, is awesome. I can't even imagine it. So what excites them is my point. Like, how do you get excited if you're a billionaire? Well, you take over the world yeah. and uh, try to get everybody's information. I don't know. <laughs> you just become, that's how, this is how supervillains are created because they're bored. They're like, I got like four ma- uh, Bali homes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could be like. Tired uh, of going to Bali on my private jet. <laughs> Bill Gates and do good things. Yeah. Or you could be like Bill Gates. Yes. But uh, none of us would be. We would all. <laughs> We'd be Lex Luthor. <laughs> Beach vacations are bad for you. That's what a new study from Purdue University claims. So how can relaxing in the sun and swimming in the ocean be bad for you? Apparently, they say all that lying around doing nothing leads to boredom and anxiety and makes you just think about work and all the things you have to do when you get home. Yeah, think, some people are not yeah, like that. There are people who are built for the beach. That When I go on vacation, I want to do nothing because my life is busy enough I don't want right, to be you want to busy. slow it down. Yes. See, conversely, they... I like to have 8 million things to do. Cuz that helps me not think in a weird way. 
If I'm sitting around with nothing to do, then I'm thinking. Well, that's why they say it's bad for you. So you I've should. got a busy life. I want my vacations to be busier. <laughs> yeah, I just want to have. We have to go there. We have to go there. I like. I like the task-oriented vacation. Well, you fit right in with the study then. Yes, I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> what? How about you, Bill? Do you like to re- relax or I be like busy? To, I like to relax. Yeah. I don't like to feel the the pressure of. Have to do this. Show times and all these different things. I like yeah. to just kind of have a very loose schedule. Yep. But also, you you know, you have to have things lined up in a day unless otherwise your kids will just well, harass you the whole yeah, day. Yeah, with kids it's different. We go on vacation sometimes with a group of people and there's a mix. Some people are like us and like to just do nothing. Other people are like, let's plan activities for today. Mm-hmm. And it depends. Like if I'm going away for a weekend... I want to do what Randy's talking about. I mean, that's what, we usually go up to New York City because you can do nine million things right. in a weekend. But if I'm going on a vacation for a week, I want to just chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually feel best when I've done a lot. That's why Jazz Fest is my favorite vacation because I do a million things. I go to a bunch of shows and I come back refreshed and I feel relaxed. I wonder if that's because you're an extrovert. I don't know. Yeah, it has to be. I like to be in big crowds. Yeah. I like to be a part of big events. It does. It, it's fun. I enjoy the energy of that. And yeah, then I don't get, get that much sleep yeah. on that trip, and I still come back, and I feel like rested, like aches and pains go away. My stomach stops doing You're feeding the, your the soul. Little, yeah. Yeah. A lot of soul feeding. Apparently, my soul loves vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this might help on that beach vacation. Uh, could be a great advancement in technology. 7-Eleven has teamed up with a manufacturing company on self-chilling cans. All you have to do is twist the base of the can. It uses carbon dioxide to cool it down, even if it's sitting in the sun. No refrigeration necessary. They're testing the cans with cold brew coffee at some stores in the L.A. area. There's no word on if it could go nationwide or expand to other drinks. Eh, I don't know. You don't want your... Too much science going on there. Some an us, unnecessary. Some um, good old ice. A koozie. Koozie yeah. works fine. A Mississippi man who stole a John Deere front end loader and went on a rampage in a Walmart parking lot insists he had no other choice because zombies were chasing him and he just had to get away. Yeah, what are you going to do? 32-year-old Sean Michael Stroud is locked up in the county jail. Police say he stole the construction vehicle from a recycling company and drove it to a Walmart where he rammed multiple parked vehicles, two of which were occupied. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. Police eventually found him in the parking lot of a nearby car dealership. They had to use those spike strips to stop the front-end loader. <laughs> Luckily, those are uh, in aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> Police placed him under arrest and booked him into jail. Stroud told officers he thought it was the end of the world and the zombies were chasing him. Officers got a search warrant to draw blood to see if he is on drugs. Those tests are not back yet. Ted, unwrap that uh, that uh, zapper you got from aisle three. I'm going to tase his ass. <laughs> Fanshot footage is surfacing of Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl almost breaking his leg for the second time on stage. He fell after tripping over a speaker during a performance last week at the Welcome to Rockville Festival in Jacksonville. Grohl broke his leg during a show in Sweden in 2015, took the fall in stride, telling the audience that when you get close to breaking your leg, that means it's a great show. Sunny, uh, by the way, they're here July 17th. PBG Paints Arena. Oh, wow. Sunny, low 80s for the high. It's 57 at DBE. Concert season's amazing. It, it's huge. This, this summer year. in Pittsburgh is going to be great.
We just July first and no June first and second. There's like five shows in town. That's the X Fest. Kenny shows. Chesney, Journey and Def Leppard all in the second. Culture Dave Club. Matthews is the first. Oh, oh man. man, yeah. I wish I, I had a private jet for those days. <laughs> uh, Jack White's headlining X Fest. I just saw him down at, at uh, in uh, New Orleans at Jazz Fest. It was a great set. A lot of white stripes in there. Uh, he rocked out. It's a long set too, right? Yeah, it's ninety minutes, which is a long time for him. He was very good. My te- my favorite was Beck this year. I had not seen Beck. I realized I'm like God after all these years I hadn't seen him. His his set is really good. So Beck was really cool, and then all the other you know standards were pretty awesome. I saw Smokey Robinson after Jack White. I mean, that was oh, cool. nice! Pretty cool to see Smokey, the legend. But honestly, you know who was great. And I didn't intend to go see him, but he was right next to where we were, we were in between shows. We're like, mm-hmm. all right, let's go see 25 minutes or so. Steve Miller. The yeah, Steve he, Miller really? band is effing amazing. That like, show's coming here this summer. It doesn't sound any different than it did 40 years ago. Steve and Miller and Peter Frampton. He's in good shape. His voice is awesome. His guitar playing is great. The harmonies are badass. And he just motors through the set. And it's hit after hit after hit after hit. And I swear to God, there must have been 65,000 people at that stage. It was a sea of people that just went on forever and ever and ever. June 20th, Key Bank Pavilion. Look, if if you're on the fence about that one, that might be one of those $20 shows, too. I highly recommend it. Actually, I think it is. uh, That ended yesterday, though. You will go and have a blast. Does Beck tour as much as he used to? Because I haven't haven't seen them. He was opening for U2 a little bit on that tour, okay. but I'm not sure that he's been out on any extended tour. Uh, I'd love to see him. He's really good. It was it was very cool. I, I, I say this every year, but this year I really do want to go to a ton of concerts. Well, you got a great opportunity to because it is nonstop. There's great local music options, too. Don't forget the, uh, the Allegheny uh, County Summer Concert Series, yep. Friday nights and South Sunday Park nights. And- we got to have Bill Deasy on to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, when, when's he coming in? Come on, Bill. It's about that time. It's about that time for Mike Pursuta. He'll have your sports coming up here. Flowers is going to give us a call a little bit later on this morning, too. We'll hear from our former, former favorite son, who a lot of people are now going to put all their eggs in his basket. Hmm. He's got a big basket. He does. You can still three leave, <laughs> but it'll be for, for flour. Uh, that plus we'll be talking with Borky. He'll wrap up what went on. I think he's a little angry still. Matt Larkin from the Hockey News in Toronto will tell you why the Penguins dynasty isn't over. And Mark Madden joins us at 945 this morning here on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Mike, you're with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's going on? Sports are brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. The Pirates spotted the White Sox a 4 to nothing lead. In Chicago last night, and then stormed from behind to win 10-6. to Pirates pound out 16 hits. They went 7-for-15 with runners in scoring position over the last two games. The Pirates have gone 12-for-27 with runners in scoring position. They are scoring a lot of runs, and they needed to last night because Von Nova wasn't very good. Just two innings of work, six hits, five runs. All of them earned two walks and two strikeouts, but the bats... Made up for it, and the Pirates improved to 20-16 and 16 on the season. That's just one game off the pace being set by St. Louis and Milwaukee in the NL Central Division. One more in Chicago this afternoon. It's uh, a 1-10 start for the Pirates. Trevor Williams 
is going to get the ball. He is 4-2 and two with a 2.63 ERA. He'll be opposed by Ronaldo Lopez, 0-2, 2.43. Bucks at the White Sox this afternoon, and they've got a day off tomorrow. And then they welcome your San Francisco Giants into PNC Park on Friday. Welcome back, Kutch. Probably going to be a big crowd Friday night. I bet there will. Surprised there's not going to be a Kutch bobblehead. Just painted new uniform over the old. <laughs> Defenders of the organization will be quick to point out that Kutch is not exactly having an all-star year. He's not tearing it up. Garrett Cole's having an all-star year. Yes, he is. But Pirates are doing okay without both of those guys. Better than I thought they would. Uh, is that the standard? <laughs> I don't know. I, I You don't stink as much as we thought you were going to. Winning seems to cure everything for them. If they can continue to do that, the fans will come back. The Penguin season is over now. The weather is great. Maybe people will start flocking to the ball yard and paying attention. I know I'm going to start going to some games. Uh, well, then there you go. I mean, they have can had you bring, dismal uh, attendance. a couple thousand friends, Mike? They have dismal attendance. The weather has been pretty crappy. Has been crappy. Uh, there was a backlash against the organization. Yeah. It's not crappy anymore. They're a month in, and so far they have a winning product. If you're winning in uh, in August, July and August, that park is going to be packed. And uh, St. Louis doesn't exactly look like a world beater in the early going either. Chicago does not look like a world beater in the division. Maybe that'll adjust and correct. Maybe not. Penguins uh, are cleaning out the locker room today. They'll hold their final media availability late this morning, and then Mike Sullivan will wrap things up. What went wrong? Why did it go wrong? Why were they not able to get past the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference semifinals? Capitals had a lot to do with that, but so did the Penguins. And to me, if you want to try to figure out what's the fix for next season, uh, look no further than overtime. The goal that the Penguins allowed, the game-winning goal, the series-ending goal, was uh, put on a tee for the Capitals by the Penguins. Misread, misplay, odd man break, and you're fishing it out of the back of your net. That didn't happen all the time this year, but it happened too often, uh, particularly for a team that proved throughout the year when it applied itself the right way. It was pretty good at defending. Uh, one of the recent... Such occurrences was game four. The Penguins took the ice down two games to one against the Caps. They held Washington to three shots on goal in the third period. They held Alex Ovechkin to none in the entire game, and they won game four to even the series three to one. I asked Mike Sullivan after that game why we didn't see that kind of thing a little more often from his team. Like we didn't talk... All season, right side of the park, three offense off the defense, four check, good decisions. The team proves it's very good when it needs to be defending. It's just the urgency of the situation that brings it out and be kind of long for a way to dial that up maybe a little more consistently. I think part part of it is our DNA because we, you know, when you look at our team, we're, we're wired to, for offense. You know, when you look at the core players that we have, they're playmakers, they're goal scorers, they're guys that want to play with the puck, they want to make plays. And so when you get into a playoff environment, there's, sometimes there's no ice to play on. Sometimes it's hard to make a play. And if you force something in the wrong area of the rink that's not there, then you potentially feed their transition game and you put your, your, your team in a vulnerable position. And so it's the discipline of recognizing when the opportunity is there, when we have numbers, when we have speed, when we have ice, 
and and you know I know this coaching staff never wants to take the stick out of our team's hands because we think that's what separates our team from others. But but it's a discipline or a diligence to make sure that uh, that we don't force plays at the wrong areas of the rink or in the wrong time of the game that put, puts our team in, in difficult situations. And you know so it, it's. Part of it is the way I think our team is wired, and you know I think we've shown a lot of discipline when we play well. We we make good decisions. Uh, when when we tend to get away from it, it, that's usually the root of the issue. And to me, that's what went away more than anything else this year, and that's what ultimately got them beat. And I think, you know, kind of blowing off the regular season in terms of being on your details contributed to that. And I understand why they did it that way, coming off of two championships, but that's what they have to get back to, that that decision-making and that understanding when you force it and when you don't, when you take a chance and when you don't. They're they're still a supremely talented team. Mm -hmm. They're not good enough to play the wrong way and win consistently. They're they're not. Nobody is, particularly in the playoffs when it tightens up and uh, there's a little ice out there. And... um, they kind of got what they deserved against Washington because they just gave it up too often. Yeah. And they got to get back to, to tightening up and being smarter and being a harder team to play against and a harder team to score against while maintaining that offensive flair and that ability to uh, allow your skill to take over. But it's got to be situationally. It can't just be, okay, it's early in overtime. We're going to win this right now. That's my theory. A lot of people uh, want to pin it on one thing. It really yeah. is a number of them. I think if you if you start there, everything else is going to look better. Your goalie's going to look better because you're not going to leave him out to dry as much. You'll get more secondary scoring because you'll be putting the other team in position to screw up and give you a golden opportunity. Everything kind of flows from that. And that's I mean that's not a revelation. I, I just brought that up because game four they were so good at it. And I think everybody saw it, particularly in that third period. They just they shut that game down like Mariano Rivera, and they they have that ability. Yeah. They they can do that in the successful. So what, why why didn't they? Do you think? Because uh, it's hard to play that way. Yeah, and it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of mental discipline, and it, you got to have patience and you got to have perspective. And hey, when you can do some of the things that these guys can do, you want to do them. That's that's what Sullivan was talking about. The DNA, you know, I get that, but you have to channel it. Can't you can't just do it every time you jump over the boards? Mike Pursuit with your sports uh, a little bit later on. I'll do the math. How much? How much money, time, sleep, calories have you saved? Just a way to look at it on the bright side. So much. Did you put money in there? Say so you went to the games. Yeah. No, there's Tickets, definitely beers, parking, right? Food. Let's say you went to the games. Uh, you know, even if you didn't go to the games, how about calorie, extra calorie expenditure, stuff like that, lack of sleep, lost production at work? Phil Bork will consider none of that when he recaps the season. <laughs> That's at 845. <laughs> Matt Larkin from the Hockey News going to join us to also help put a little bright side on, on things. He says the Penguins dynasty is not over, and he is enumerated the reasons why. I'd agree with him. Uh, Mark Madden, 945 after that. That's all coming up. Don't forget, you can listen to the DVE Morning Show anytime using the iHeartRadio app. Just download the app to your tablet or smartphone and search DVE. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman back with Val Porter and Bill Crawford. And uh, uh, it was tough to watch the Penguins lose. Mm. 
but it seemed to uh, the weight lifted a little easy. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Easier than I thought it would. And the reason is simply we've been there, done that. We've won a couple of championships, but we also know the personal toll that it takes <laughs> on us. Right. On the fans. Ev- the fans. On the fans. So there was a feeling of relief that it was over. <laughs> that part so, of it. That's so awful. No, it's good. Say, no. I mean, that, think th- about people in Cleveland. Yeah, great. So, the great gift we've been given as Penguin fans. Is is this contentment, this feeling at peace with it? Sure. Because we've already won. We Many are times. multiple Stanley Cup winning fans. We ran out of confetti. That's not really yeah. We didn't win. <laughs> we've got right. a we've got a full belly. All right. So fat and happy. <laughs> we would have had to play seven to beat the caps. All right. So that's for over the first two series. If we would have kept winning, all right, that would have been 13 games. So Mm -hmm. easy to assume that you are probably looking at another 13 games if the Penguins go to the Stanley Cup final. Sure. Yeah. So if you break things down, like for each game, would you say on average three hours of actual television watching? Uh, I would say four. Okay. Because you got pre and post game. Okay. So let's go four. Shorter if we lose, because as soon as it's over, I shut the TV (laughs) right off. An hour, for for most people, I I, I put three. Let's just say three. All right. Then an hour for for reading pre-game and post-game. Reading online analysis. Sure. All right. So So factor in another hour. So that's four hours. Okay. okay? Times another 13 games. There's 52 hours right there. All right. Now let's just factor in. That's the, more than a full work week. That traffic on game days. All right. There'd be at least six more home games. That's an, another hour per game. All right. So make that 58 hours that you just saved. All right. <laughs> now, if we win, there's a parade. All right. That's. All day. All day. Two days of coverage. But I'm going to say six hours on average of your time is taken up by the parade, whether through traffic, paying attention, reading articles, following online, et cetera. All right. So now you're at 64 hours. All right. Starting to stack up. Now, you just freed that up. It might have been worth it, though, just to hear Staggy try to start some, like, <laughs> Broussard's got Nards chant or something, <laughs> something like that. All right. Now, look at the calorie content. Let's say one beer per period. You save 39 beers. That's about 8,000 calories for a regular IPA, a little less for regular lagers. Light beers cut that in half. So you basically save four full days of eating worth of beer drinking. Just beer. Just beer. Just beer. And I feel like that's a low average. Yeah. I'm going to average. That's right. That's a safe drinking one an hour. Right. This is where... This is the spectrum. You can adjust it for yourself. How about if you had season tickets and you went to every game? In addition to saving Ooh. thousands and thousands of dollars on the extra two series worth of tickets, if you ate at the arena every time, a conservative estimate of total calories consumed per game, I did a quick search online, 1,500 calories. That's it? Yeah. What are you eating? Uh, that is an average, Val. So if you have a- Sushi from Nakama. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you get a- if you get a. If you get a hot dog and peanuts, okay, yeah, fifteen hundred. What about a permani sandwich? All right, so again, 
Anywhere around here. Okay. All right. So by not having six more home games, you save 9,000 calories worth of stadium food right there, about $200 for parking for those games, and approximately 12, 13 hours of additional traffic over the next two series. Something else to consider. You just save half a day in traffic. How about sleep deprivation? Yeah. That's a lot. Let's assume two weeknight or Sunday day games per series, or weekend night, okay? So that means four more nights per series that you aren't going to get enough sleep. Because ostensibly you can make it up if there's a Friday game or a sure. Saturday game or a Sunday afternoon. Most people probably get six hours of sleep after a Penguins game. Think that's fair to assume? I mean, we get less. We get yeah, less, but most, most people, people get around six. Yeah, probably. Before they have to get up for work. Yeah. All right. How bad is only six hours of sleep? Well, according to the recent study of people who slept either four, six, or eight hours, the group who got six hours of sleep seemed to be holding their own until around day 10 of the study. Apparently, did you know this? Getting only six hours of shut-eye was basically like not sleeping at all. Ah, well, that explains a lot. That's right. For two (laughs) days straight, the group who got only four hours of sleep performed just as poorly, but they hit their lows lower sooner. So they got to their low point quicker than the six hours. But the point is, all of the people who only got six hours of sleep thought they were doing great, but their performance had suffered markedly. Can you show this to our bosses? Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, I'm going to bring that in for our evaluations. So there you go. That's four more nights per series. That's eight more nights of sleep that you just gained and productivity at work the next day. Not to mention the hyper uh, tension that's caused during the game. Your blood pressure. Stress levels. Oh, God. So you'll come off better this year than you did the last two years by being knocked out in the second round to the tune of about 58 hours of free time minimum, 8,000 calories of beer minimum, Tens of thousands of food calories over the course of the next two rounds if you go to the game. I think if you have parties, it's way more calories. Right, yeah. Because well, you just graze too. all night. Right. Oh, yeah. I eat, I eat garbage at home. Mm-hmm. About a week's <laughs> worth of sleep yeah. you will gain. And think of all the days of recovery it takes when you don't sleep one night, how it takes you a couple to, to get back. We lost, but we're just getting healthy for next year. <laughs> it was actually smart. Just like the players. It was smart for us to really lose this smart. year. That's how I'm looking at it. This yeah. was a smart move by the We're Penguins. Taking a I, year off. I just remember the last two seasons in the third and fourth round, how brain damaged we all sound. Oh, my God. We're just like, um, what's that word? I yeah. Think it's like we all got a lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Again, this was smart. This was a health conscious <laughs> move. You, penguins. By the Penguins. Next year, we'll be back. We're going to have Matt Larkin from the Hockey News on at 930. He says the Penguins dynasty isn't over, and he'll tell you why. Phil Bork, Mark Madden also going to be on the show a little bit later on this morning. And Val has news for you when we come back, Valerie. Well, we're going to talk about the kind of food that you like, like spicy, sour, whatever. Well, I'll tell you what that means for your personality. Uh, How hmm. The kind of personality you have if you like it. Are you going to miss <laughs> that feeling of like being on the edge of your seat of like the stress oh, zooming no. through your veins? I literally was pull, lifting no, I, my hair, I, pulling I, it out. I couldn't handle it. Doc Emmerich yelling and you reacting, just all of that stuff is, yeah. you're free. Look at it that way. Uh, free. Just for the, for the next. Maybe next. that's why I feel so loosey-goosey. There you go. You got your life back a little bit. That's the bright side and the upshot of having won multiple championships. <laughs> Fat and happy. <laughs> <laughs> Val's up next, DV. 
Like there's this identity that that belies what is actually occurring in the city city that I hope we never shake. You know, like one of my friends always says, like we can't lose our yinzer. No, that'll never. I happen. don't think there's any risk of that. Uh, I really don't. Get on a lot of them. Uh progressive city lists and stuff and no, everyone no. thinks we're turning it into portland and it's like yep no you got i mean Just, have you been anywhere recently <laughs> I mean, how does it keep getting handed down i don't generation know generation to generation the consistency aren't you worried that it might get diluted at some point no you would think it it would you know have been. What we need a dating app yinzerpeoplemeet.com <laughs> oh yeah we got to make sure those gyms or bloodlines keep going. <laughs> keep breeding. Oh, they are. Yeah. Don't trust me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of field work on this one. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, you know, uh, my fears of the yins are going away were allayed when I did a brief uh, search the other day and uh, went down a Steely McBeam rabbit hole and I found a clip of. The person who named Steely McBeam, I forgot this happened. Absolutely tremendous. They had a contest to name the mascot. And the woman who won the contest and named him Steely McBeam is the biggest yinzer of all time. Offered this explanation uh, on the news as to why she came up with that name. Uh, Steely McBeam, okay? Well, Steely because it's a steel pine. (laughs) Mick because... The, the Steelers are Irish, okay, and Beam because Steel Beam plus my husband loves Jim Beam. So <laughs> there you go. It's an all win situation, right? It's an all win situation. <laughs> because it's a Steel Ton. Yeah. Steel Ton. T A H N. Ton. It's a Steel Ton. Because it's a Steel Ton. And the Steelers are ton. Irish. That's incredible. That's so and my good. husband, you know, still beam, and my husband likes Jim Beam. <laughs> so it's an all-win situation. Val, what's going on? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 58 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Channel 11 News on Fox 53 weeknights at 10. Two new cracks in the earth near the Kilauea volcano are pumping out dangerous gases on Hawaii's big island. The new fissures split open yesterday afternoon, spewing sulfur dioxide gas and oozing lava into neighborhoods and forcing more people to evacuate. Dozens of homes have been destroyed since those eruptions began on May 3rd. There is big, big money in winning horses. Former Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh retired in 2015 after wins at the Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. Since then, he's been living out quite the life. The six-year-old thoroughbred does not race anymore and wouldn't really have time to anyway because he's too busy breeding. Oh, yeah. His owner sold his breeding rights to a breeder who has Hmm. American Pharaoh getting busy multiple times a day. For every horse he successfully impregnates, the breeder gets two hundred grand. Whoa! And since his success rate is about eighty percent, he could earn up to forty million dollars a year. One of his foals sold last year for a million bucks. Unbelievable! They only offer fifty bucks a sample at the uh, the sperm bank <laughs> I go to. That horse is getting two hundred grand a pop, and Stormy Daniels has to crush Cheetos bags with a boot <laughs> for fifty dollars. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. Um, 
So according to a new study, men with a stronger grip are more likely to be married than men with weaker grips. Researchers <laughs> think this is an evolutionary thing because women prefer partners who show signs of strength when they marry. Oh, I thought they were just trying to get away and if you can't grab them tight enough. <sighs> Some guy got me the other day with one of those like he jumped in on the on the handshake yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he would have got thrown out of the face-off circle. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I wasn't ready for it at all. And he's like, boom. And he grabbed it and just started shaking my hand. And, I, and I'm like, dude, that, I mean, that's You're, not fair. You can't do that. <laughs> I want to do it. Like, that's not a judgment of, of uh, like, Your handshake. our handshake dynamic. You can't just, like, trump that one up and start shaking my hand all over the place. Don't you feel like, though, if somebody gets you by the fingers and gives you a squeeze, you lose all confidence oh, and, yeah. and want to really get away from that person as quickly as possible? Oh, yeah. When people do that to me, especially men, I think, don't shake my hand like that because I'm a woman. Yeah. Like, if they give you the finger. Oh, the finger one? Oh, yeah. yeah the no. very, you know. Oh, that's brutal. If someone... Uh, yeah, but, they do that to men, though, too. Yeah, oh, really? But okay. they'll, they'll grab your fi- your finger sometimes so you can't actually yeah. make a... F- it's like beating you to the punch. Yeah. And when they do that, I take a knee. <laughs> 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 I just expect them to kiss it. I'm like... Mm-hmm. What I do is I grab their forearm and then I start shaking that. <laughs> I just rub it. <laughs> All the way up to the elbow, <laughs> all the way down to the wrist. Is this how you like it? <laughs> so name three things besides a raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, three things your employer could do to make your work life better. We're vacation. S- well, Sleep. some of the top answers included free food, unlimited vacation, which I remember doing stories in the past about places who have unlimited vacation. People don't surprisingly don't abuse it. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. The fear mm-hmm. of lo- losing your job for too many people is too great. Relaxing the dress code. Ours is pretty relaxed around here. It's super relaxed. We barely have to get dressed. <laughs> and I think if we just came to work in our pajamas, probably nobody would even say anything. <laughs> no. There's a couple people here who I think are pulling that one off. <laughs> Summer Fridays, which I, I'm assuming means early dismissal. Yeah, which that they happens did here. that. Yeah, they do that here a lot in the summer. Uh, letting people work more from home. Uh, that's so- a trend everywhere. That just that's just. I mean, that makes good sense. That's efficient. Yeah. Plus, it reduces liability for anybody getting hurt in the workplace. Happy hour once in a while. Bad idea. Keep your drinking with your coworkers while in the midst of a company function to a minimum. Never bleep oh. where you eat. Never drink where you work. Better office furniture. We got an upgrade in chairs when we got this new studio, and it was life-changing. Pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, these chairs are amazing. The the old studio, you never knew when you sat down if you were going to be in a broken chair. It was like um, a waiting room chair with, with wheels mm-hmm. in the old, like the short backs. Yeah. And dust from the 80s. Oh, Oh, they were so disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> well, everything else from around here is from the 80s. <laughs> right. So why, why should the chairs be any different? <laughs> These, though, have headrests. No, this is oh, nice. This is amazing. These are. I was sitting in this Ferraris. the one day, and somebody looked at me and they go, Dude, you look like a quadriplegic. Yeah. Can you move any of your body? Yeah, it does sink you into it. I'm like, uh, and I can. Fewer meetings also on the list. That's a good one. Mm hmm. We have one meeting a week. We have one meeting. Fewer, is, would, fewer would be better. It is efficient. <laughs> one less would be better. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. We're right on the precipice of having it figured out. 
We're so close. <laughs> when Airbnb came out, it seemed pretty awesome. Did you like the idea of Airbnb? You've used it. I use it, but I, I quickly went back to, I if I'm going to do that, I use VRBO because I don't trust Airbnb. I got burned on Airbnb. I arrived in Denver and I had a place rented and they said, sorry, we can't do it. Uh, we uh, Cheryl yeah, it was being cleaned or something like that and renovated and I'm like oh renovated that's but I'm like how did it go through how did it accept the transaction right. like ah it was a glitch sorry and I'm like alright that, that was well it's the same me. same uh, premise concept you rent, a, rent somebody else's house for your vacation is right? that what the other thing is VRBO vacation yeah. rental by owner yeah if you have yeah. more than two people and you're going anywhere you should always look into it because it's a lot cheaper than a hotel in almost every case well is it safer though a lot of safety issues with these properties. Researchers found 58% didn't have a fire extinguisher. 42% didn't have carbon monoxide detectors. 20% did not even have smoke detectors. Uh, you know, I never even thought about that stuff. I, I know, me either. I always think about the owner secretly hiding a camera in the mirror or the lights fixture. Or somebody coming home when you're in bed or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... The owner's coming back in. One time I uh, I, I did comedy at uh, the Dayton Funny Bone, and they have a a condo, and I, I, I come into the condo, and I open the, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the laundry. I'm going to, you know, wash the sheets, because I, I just always think mm, that they've never yeah. washed any of the bed sheets. Good idea. And I open the, uh, the laundry, uh, the, the washing machine, and there's a load of laundry in there, like jean shorts and a <laughs> tank top, and I'm like... Who the hell's in here? I just left. Catherine Bach? <laughs> <laughs> I just left because I was like, I don't know who's going to come in here. And then one night I was in I was in bed and I heard the door open and a bunch of people from the staff just came in. They were like... Crash pad. Yeah. I was like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm in here. <laughs> I'm in here. They were like, uh, we don't care. Wow. <laughs> we're going to we're going to drink. Speaking of Catherine Bach, she's on Worst Cooks in America Celebrity Edition. Daisy Duke. Yep. No kidding. Yeah, she doesn't need to cook. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. She's pretty old. She, 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 better, she still she, looks pretty good. Plastic surgery, eh, not bad, but not great. Was she related to like Barbara Bach and the other Bach? Or did she just take the Bach name as like, sure. a, like a show business name? Don't know about that Don't one. know. I'm not sure how accurate these studies are, but researchers at the Smell and Taste Foundation in Chicago have been doing ongoing studies about how our sense of taste is uh, linked to how we behave. And uh, we can do that a little bit later on. Forecast today, sunny, low 80s. Temperature right now, 57 degrees at DVE. Yeah, uh, I, so I got a phone call oh, okay. coming in here uh, that Wrap I wanted up. to take. Hello. Hello? Hello. Uh, hello, is uh, this uh, D.B.? Marc-Andre Fleury? Flower, is that you? Uh, D.B., uh, it is uh, so good to hear your voices again. I just wanted to check in with my uh, favorite people <laughs> at my favorite radio station in my favorite town. Oh, you are such a sweet boy. Don't, don't. Really is. Don't, don't do that, mm -hmm. guys. D just don't. Ah, uh, I love you, Val. Uh, I was uh, just uh, wondering, uh, when is uh, game six for uh, the pens and caps? Tonight no, or tomorrow? It, no, it was a couple <laughs> of nights ago. The caps won. They knocked the pens out of the playoffs. <gasps> no. <laughs> Say it is not so, Joe. Oh, come on, Flower. <laughs> you knew that.
Uh, honestly, I did not because uh, there is a big time zone difference and uh, we get confused all the time out here. No, uh, we have to DVR everything because we sit down to watch a young Sheldon uh, and it's uh, always in NCIS. Yeah, that's <laughs> are, uh, always confused. No. Uh, uh, plus, I am shocked to hear that you lost. Uh, after all, you have Matt Mule as your goaltender. Flower, you're being pretty... <laughs> being pretty transparent. Ah, uh, transparent. Ah, uh, like uh, Matt Mule's glove? I knew it. You're gloating. You're gloating. Ah, uh, no, I am not gloating. I don't know how to gloat if I tried. Ah, uh, gloating to me... Is like Matt Mioli trying to stop a weak shot from a fourth line scrub. Uh, I just can't do it. <laughs> That's gloating. Okay, I'm a better goalie and gloater. Uh. You, know, uh, that, you know what? It's not even gloating. You know what it is? It's just mean. You're just being mean. Ah, uh, mean? Like uh, losing your job to an injury so that Matt Mioli can take all your glory? Why are you so bitter about this? You're still playing. You win. You've been the bell of the ball in Vegas this year. There's a chocolate statue of you in one of the casinos. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm like a Vegas uh, chocolate Franco. I know. Well, everything's <laughs> going your way. Why are you calling us to rub our noses in this? Because Pittsburgh and the Penguins are my first love, and I will never get over being betrayed by my first. Betrayed is a strong <laughs> word for what happened. Okay, well, uh, since I won three cops, uh, let's call it getting three trade. Okay. Better? Yeah. Touche. I gave you my heart, my soul, my blood, sweat, and tears. Seriously, I want that CD back because I think they still play it in the local room. It's mm -hmm. mine. Right. Penguin fans. Uh, it is not over. Uh, come with me. Instead of getting five old by Muley, Three leaving me. Yeah, you know, Flower, Flower we are pretty much going to root for you. <laughs> oh, uh, really? Yeah. I mean, if anything, the Pens winning in the past and losing now made it pretty easy to root for you. Well, before this call, that is. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, can you delete? No, I, this is a live call. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could do is hit the seven-second delay. I don't know if that helped you much. As uh, too bad, Matt Mule, didn't have a seven-second delay. He could have used it to stop the fourth-line floater All right. that through the game. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, Flower. We'll see you. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, look at the bright side. Uh, Matt Mule didn't stink for four whole games against the terrible Opal Flyers. All right. Yeah, okay. We'll see you. <laughs> Goodbye, Flower. Au revoir. Yeah. See, it's just... Uh, <laughs> it's unbecoming. I just got a little of that coming, I think. Mark Madden, Phil Bork, also the Hockey News uh, uh, writer Matt, Matt Larkin at 9.30 will tell you why the dynasty isn't over here in Pittsburgh. Mike Pursuta has your sports coming up next. Hey, hockey season, uh, at least locally, is finally over, which means the baseball season, at least locally, has finally begun. And the beauty of baseball is there's no clock. The home team always gets its last at bats. You never run out of time. That's the way it is in baseball, but not with Mother's Day. Mother's Day is coming, and I'm here to tell you the clock is ticking. It's time to dial up Pro Flowers before time runs out. This is the last week you can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling if you use my promo code MikeP. And that's a Mother's Day dinger worthy of a bat flip. 
Pro Flowers blooms are guaranteed to stay fresh for seven days, which means mom can enjoy them for at least seven days. And she deserves at least a week's worth of recognition, doesn't she? You can pick the delivered date of your choosing. That's guaranteed, too. You can even have your gift delivered on Mother's Day. That's like a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the upper right corner, and use my code, Mike P. That's proflowers.com, blue microphone, Mike P. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget to show mom how much she means to you. Order from proflowers.com today and hit one out of the park. Friends. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is our brought to you by Sports Clips. 10-6 Buckos over the White Sox last night. What are they calling that? Guaranteed rate field? Guaranteed rate field. Just like the one your grandfather took you to. <laughs> Reverse mortgage home field. What? They ought to call it guaranteed loss field. The White Sox fall to 3-14 and 14 at home. Yikes. Pirates, meanwhile, uh, hitting the ball around the yard, whatever they call it. Uh, Corey- Clean Catheter Park presents the White Sox. <laughs> Corey Dickerson, four for five with a couple more RBI last night. Uh, he has at least one run driven in in nine of his last 12 games on the season. He's hitting 333, five home runs, 26 ribbies. His on base percentage is 371, and his OPS is 922. That uh, compares nicely with what Andrew McCutcheon is doing in San Francisco. 248, three homers, 14 RBI, 378 on base percentage, uh, in large part thanks to 24 walks. But uh, the on base plus slugging is just 759 for McCutcheon. Dickerson is uh, 23 over his last 61 in the last 16 games. That's a 377 average. Pirates will try to make it two for two. In Chicago this afternoon, Trevor Williams, 4-2 with a 2.63 ERA, gets the ball. He'll be opposed by Ronaldo Lopez, 0-2, 2.43. That's a 110 start. Bucks and the White Sox. Pirates are 20-16 and 16 on the season. That's one game off the pace being set by St. Louis and Milwaukee in the NL Central Division. Penguins will be uh, cleaning out their lockers today. It's the last... Media availability of the season for the players and head coach Mike Sullivan, and uh, perhaps there will be uh, a number of revelations regarding injuries. Uh, I saw something on Twitter yesterday that Evgeny Malkin will not be playing in the World Championships, which are going on right now in Denmark, because of a knee injury. Saw that too. Must be pretty severe for the uh, Russians to allow him not to jump on a plane and fly over and continue playing. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, they probably waterboarded Dennis to get actual reports and everything. And yeah. no Ovi in the World Championships this year. He's going uh, to the third round. No, Putin wants him to have the cup this year for the first time. Yeah. I guess he's going to win it then. Yeah, they kind of dictate that stuff, don't they? They do. They influence. Penguins uh, did not threepeat, and uh, while everybody is kind of okay with that because of the two cups they won previously, Sidney Crosby. Talked after uh, the Pens' elimination in Game 6 against the Caps about how this season was, in the players' eyes at least, an opportunity lost. Yeah, I mean, once you're in it, and, uh, you know, the important thing is to get better with every game, and um, definitely coming off the last couple games that we had, I thought we were, you know, playing some good hockey. Um, 
you know, tonight probably you know, wasn't one of our better games in the series, but uh, it's still, you know, tight game both ways, and we had our chances. But yeah, definitely. I mean, once once you're in there with the experience and with a lot of guys that that we've had that have gone through it, um, yeah, I think we we felt like that that was an opportunity. Caps were able to uh, advance past the Penguins for just a second time in 11 all-time postseason meetings between the two teams, and the Caps did it in Game 6 without Nicholas Backstrom, without Tom Wilson, and without Andre Burakovsky. Uh, Washington was able to do that in the estimation of head coach Barry Trotz uh, because of three reasons, structure, structure, and structure. I thought we had a real good game plan uh, going in. We knew that we were missing some people. We may have some matchups that may not be favorable um, that we have to really play systematically we have to be really smart and detailed um, I think we had a good plan coming in and, and the guys believed in it they stuck with it we didn't get a lot but we just stayed with it and uh, obviously we were patient got the first goal and, and it was getting pretty quiet in here and then obviously they, they got the goal off the off the face off of a deflection off our own player so uh, we had to scr- not scramble, but we had to. We knew there was going to be a surge, and we, we managed it uh, well. We got a couple saves when we needed it, and then we pulled it back. I thought we pulled it back, and uh, in a third, I, I don't think we had any doubt that we were going to win that game. Yeah, the NHL's a, a really uh, structure-oriented league now, and you know the Penguins really combined skill and structure well. The last two years, this year they they weren't as good at it, and it, it had bit them. And I think the the Capitals being down some top end talent, they were they were patient out of necessity. Yeah, they knew if they started trading chances with the Penguins, the Penguins were going to win eight to five. Yeah, they didn't get uh, despondent or or go off the reservation when they weren't able to generate scoring chances. They just concentrated on keeping it out of their net and biding their time, and it's, that can be a winning formula a lot of times at this time of the year. Luck. Some luck plays into it all. No question. No question. Puck luck. No question. Can you hear the, the post clanging still? Yeah. Randy, you weren't here yesterday. I talked to well, Brooks Orpik after the game for about five minutes. And whatever question we asked him, it was me and about three other guys, he kept going back to, boy, Kunak will hit the post or we could be going to game seven. It, he, he was relieved. Yeah, the way that played out. And again, the the narrative may have played out for them. If they if it goes to Game Seven, the Penguins win that one. They might have it might have been in their heads. You don't know, but uh, it didn't go uh, the way the Pens wanted to. It might have been. He talked about that a little bit too. He said, as much as you try to block it out, you can't help but hear it. You don't know if Backstrom's coming back. You know, and he, he said it wasn't just the Caps. You know, the whole DC thing. None of their teams had gotten to a a conference fight. The Nationals and the. the the basketball team, mm-hmm. uh, he said, that's all we would have been hearing for 48 hours Yeah, between games. So they, they were uh, – Which lets you know. They hear it. They listen to it every time they tell you. Yeah. Now nah, we block that stuff out. No, they don't. Two full news cycles. Yeah. You, you have to make a hell of an effort to block it out. Put it that way. Some can, some can't. But. The Penguins uh, gave themselves too many obstacles to overcome. You know, whether it was defensive breakdowns, goaltending not being as sharp as it needed yeah. to be in certain points. You know, you, all of yeah, those and, and, things amass to, to, you know, when you're relying on luck to pull you through at that point. You know, A good point on that one would be um, 
game three, uh, the the Niskanen goal that tied it up, or was that was that game five? <laughs> it all blurs together. It was one of the two blown third period soft leads. Goal. It was a real soft goal at the start three. of the period, and that changed them from being in protect the lead mode to now the game is tied and you feel like you got to attack it again. And, mm-hmm. it, and then they forced it late, and it got away from them again. But so that's it's not all just the structure of the guys. You know, you need the goaltending too. But uh, and we still haven't heard about Kessel and specific injury. Maybe today. It's a funny thing that Ruptured happens. Spleen, shattered ribs. It's the only time that you're relieved to hear somebody is really injured. injured. Like, oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that he's been in a lot of pain, not that he just stinks now. I'm real nervous that he's not injured. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Uh-oh. <laughs> if he wasn't hurt. You're like, what's what that? What the hell was that? Oh, he had a broken wrist and four broken ribs? Oh, thank God. The heartbreak of psoriasis. Yeah, something. Well, All right, Borky's coming in uh, next. Phil Bork. Also, Matt Larkin of the Hockey News will tell you why the dynasty isn't over. Mark Madden, 945. Don't forget your chance at 1000 bucks in workforce cash all day long on DVE. All the way through the drive home with Sean, just text the keyword to 200-200. That's brought to you by rightcars.com. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. And all year long, we've had the best damn hockey talk with the old 2 9 Good diaphragm control. (laughs) (laughs) Giving you the hockey talk this morning. And here's how good it is. If you could fire up my button bar real quick. I just want to point out, you were out of town, so you might not have heard this, Randy, but uh, (laughs) most color analysts, they'll wait for something to happen, and then they'll tell you why it happened or what should have happened. The really good ones Mm -hmm. tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Dumoulin, left shot, right side. Latang, right shot, left side. And if Sid can win this faceoff clean like he did last time, it's a quick pass to Latang for the one-timer. And Dumoulin to him again. Another shot. He scores on this one. Same exact place. <laughs> Called and it. the Penguins have tied this game at one. How much fried chicken can you eat? Chris Latang ties it for Pittsburgh. And that's how that's done. The old switcheroo. Nice job, Borky. <laughs> one out of what? 95 games? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you were Mikey. due. Oh, everybody needs a hug once in a while. Thanks, Mikey. <laughs> is it true that better Penguin teams haven't fared as well as this one? That is to say, it takes a bit of luck. Yeah. There are a lot of factors that go into it. And uh, all things considered, uh, you know, we knew it could have gone either way here. And we've been on the benefit of the puck luck in the past. Yep. Maybe not so much this time. To you, what is your number one takeaway with this Penguins postseason? Uh, probably didn't get the key goal when we needed it from a guy that you wouldn't expect to score it. Um, so secondary scoring? Secondary, yeah, oh, secondary Mike's going to go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's just the thing for me, that you, you kept looking for that guy you know, that we had mm-hmm. last year and the year before. And I mentioned this on in the postgame show that the last couple of years, other broadcasters 
players from other teams of the course of the year. They come up to you and you know say, "Well, it's awesome you guys won the cup again. The way you guys did it, man." And the one thing they always said was, "You guys always got that goal from the guy you never expected it from." And really, when you think about this series against the Caps, they did. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a young guy like Verana, Eller had a three assist game. You get a goal from Chase on in, in an elimination game. Conley. That, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't get that. And that's not the only reason we lost. Don't get me wrong. But it was the one thing for me I kept waiting for during the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it just it just never happened. And it's it was what puts you over the top. Closest now, they I, came was Kuhnackle hitting ooh, the post, right? The legend of Tommy. You're right. <laughs> that, you're off right. The post. You're exactly right, Mikey. That's that's what separated us the last couple of years. We got that goal. That goal went in. And you can call it puck luck or whatever it is, but I think it was a big lift for Washington. The first goal in the game, you know how big it is, and to get it from a fourth-line guy, that's what we got in the past, and we didn't get it this year. Boy, that was just, uh, you know, Matt Murray was not as strong as he was for us last year. Uh, defensively in front of him, the Penguins weren't as tight as uh, Do those go hand-in-hand, hand, though, yeah. a little bit, Randy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. No, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but that one was, you know, that... No, you're right. That goal was brutal. No, that he... he do you need your goaltender to win you a game? Yeah, you do. And uh, I, I, I mean, Matt Murray. Let's let's not just look at the ones that went in and go. Oh, Matt Murray wasn't very good. Uh, he'll he'll admit that he wasn't as good as he probably should have been to get us to the to the next round. But with that being said, you go back to earlier in the series. Do you remember those saves he made where he opened up his blocker hand? Oh yeah, made two of them in a row. Two of them. They were just absolutely insane, great saves that that made you feel like, okay, here we go. But we had a little bit of the old one step forward, two steps back throughout the series. Holpe seemed to have similar bouts of uh, weakness, like where they he was really, really yeah. strong, and then all of a sudden yeah. he was vulnerable for a little bit. Right. And we were getting to him, and it just seemed like they were both experiencing the ebb and flow there. Right. Uh, it, but Murray's maybe a little more pronounced at times. No, I agree with you. I didn't. I didn't feel one hundred percent comfortable that one goaltender was going to dominate the series it really went back and forth mm-hmm. of oh that wasn't a great goal to let in and then they make a big save i thought the the save that hope he made at the end of the second period was as big a save in, as there was in the whole series was that dumlin down the slot no that was uh schultz. Schultz, schultz schultz down the oh, slot yeah. incredible pass by gino and i think it was about less or less maybe less than five seconds yeah, yeah. to go on that period in a in a one-one game right yeah and you go into the locker room and you get that goal at the end of the period. That was a huge save, and it went off. It went off his uh, right by his left uh, left bicep, right where his number is, and he kind of hit the jersey and just fluttered off into the corner. And that's when you kind of think, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not meant to be. You know, mm-hmm. and years past, that one goes off the jersey and goes in. Right. And we had a bunch of moments like that. Defensively, what do you think the biggest issue for the Penguins was? Um, depth. No, I'm not going to go with depth. I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, would you want more depth? Yeah, everybody would. Uh, and we were very lucky to have it the last couple of years. Um, uh, number one, consistency. Number two, um, bad decisions on on pinches. Um, a lot that, of bad decisions, yeah. and it seemed like a lot of bad communication. And and some, uh, yeah, and that and that's between D and D and D and forwards. That there were moments where you're like, what? What just happened there? Like that shouldn't happen. Um, it was just too many of those. I know they're going to happen once in a while. The other team was pretty good too, but I just found there was too many moments where you were just like, no, that's that's not good defensive hockey. That's that's not 
championship hockey. And there was too many moments like that. I kept waiting for the Penguins to pull it all together. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I still had unbelievable belief. I'll be honest with you. When I went down to the rink before game number six, driving right by your building here, I felt really good about what was going to happen. Just gut instinct. Yeah. I got down to the rink and I watched the morning skate, and we had the best attitude. We were loose, but we were crisp. We are tape-to-tape passes, flat. We had the perfect balance, I thought. I said, we're, we're going back to flipping Washington for this game seven. <laughs> and, um, and, and you just feel like it, it wasn't meant to be. And, and I don't know if you heard Barry Trotz's comments uh, after the Kuhnhockel puck hit the post that he kind of yeah. had, you know, the way we've had that belief in the past, whether it's, you know, reverse goals or whatever it was, you kind of get that feeling like, Okay, is, is, it, just, is yeah. it just destiny? You know, is it just meant to be or, or not meant to be for the Penguins? But I felt incredibly good before game number six, and maybe it just wasn't meant to be. I still haven't really seen the Kuznetsov goal. Like, Oof. I saw it happen in real time, and as soon as it went in, and I saw him doing the bird dance, I just yeah. turned my TV off. Yeah. And so I haven't looked at it any other yeah. angle or anything. But, uh, Pursuti, you were breaking that down, and that was... Well, I'm curious Borkis' opinion. Here's what I saw. Crystal Tang has the puck. The Capitals are in a 1-1-3. He's not being pressured coming out of the zone. He gets to the blue line. Crosby is just on the barely on the cap side of the red line. So what yeah. is that, 8 feet, 10 feet? Uh, it's 25 feet between blue and red. Okay. So it's 50 feet in the neutral zone, 25 feet between the blue it's and red. It's not a long pass is my point. It's about a 30-foot pass. He doesn't make it accurately. Crosby has to reach for it. Doesn't catch it cleanly. It trickles ahead of him. He goes to try to get it again. Kuznetsov pokes him from behind, and Orloff swipes from the left to the right. So the puck goes over to Ovi on the right side of the ice. Now, Dumoulin is all the way up at the blue line at this point, even though the Pens don't have possession. Mm-hmm. And Latang, after he passed it, drifts over to the right wing. So the Caps, Ovi gets the puck, and he looks up, and both defensemen are on the outside of the faceoff dots, and Dumoulin's too far up the ice. And all he did was chip it ahead and let Kuznetsov, I mean, it, off to the race. Pretty average play by them. It, if you have any vision, yeah. you just go right down the middle. Then he right finished, down Main Street. He finished it well, but the Penguins put that on a tee for him. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think the pass to Sid was. It, it needed to be crisp and on the tape. Yeah. it put it put Sid kind of in a bad spot. It was so He's far reaching one handed. Yeah. Um, uh, but we're still okay there. I, I know I've broken this down a whole bunch of times. The only part that's a bit of a head scratcher to me, and I'm not really sure, is, is why Chris decided to go all the way to the right side of the yeah. ice. Because if he just followed up his path. When he made the pass, he was in the middle of the ice. If he followed up in the middle of the ice, when that turnover occurs just inside the blue line, I think Ovechkin and Kuznetsov were shocked there was nobody there. I'm really not sure why Chris went all the way over towards the Penguins yeah. bench. I don't think he was going for a change, but it didn't it didn't allow him to recover, and he wasn't in position of the most important part of the ice, the middle of the ice, when there was a turnover, and then... Yeah, and I it thought, was all Kuznetsov after that. I thought Dumoulin was a little over-aggressive, too, because the first pass wasn't completed, and he kept going forward. Yeah, well, I think coming out of the zone, Mikey, he was giving Chris Letang an outlet on that lane. Yeah. He was coming down the left, kind of the left wing to give him an outlet. Uh, and then when the turnover occurred, he, uh, he turned. There's no way he could have recovered the way he turned. I, I just thought that maybe Chris should have followed up the middle of the ice, but maybe he had something else in mind. <laughs> I'm sure after, he did. After He's he made a bit the o- obsessed. He was uh, chasing Ovi around yeah. a little too much, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why there wasn't anybody in the middle of the ice. But that, to me, that's one of those plays that Sullivan always talks yeah. about. Don't force it if it's not there. 
Well, don't feed the other team's yeah. offense, right? Know where you are yeah. on the ice. And don't what beat the, yourself. What the danger and, is yeah. and, and react accordingly. And they yeah. took, took a wild chance and they bit them right in the butt. Yep. Penguin fans seem to be, by and large right now, okay. You know, they're not happy that the yeah. Penguins lost, but there's, for some of us, a sense of relief of like, all right, we can get our life back. Like, the one good part of this is, <laughs> all right, we don't get our, our social life hijacked for the next two months. Um <laughs> As it has been the last couple of years. But the reason that we feel that contentment is because we have the victories. Yeah. We've got the trophies that yeah. go the, from the last couple of years. How do the Pens process this? Is it heartbreaking for them? Or does the the last couple of years in winning allay some of that uh, you know disappointment? And does it make them feel a little more like, ah, well, you know. I, I think you guys are probably doing the same thing that I'm doing the last couple of days. Is, is you're making those excuses. And then you're like, wait a minute, we're better than that. We don't make these kind of mm-hmm. weak ass excuses. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. the Penguins. We should be playing in June. Yes, yeah. We kind of we almost felt like that, and it certainly wasn't an arrogance. It was just extreme confidence in believing in this group that they, they mm-hmm. were going to find a way to get there again. And I bumped into, I bet you, I bumped into fifty people the last two days, and they come out well. Well, Borky, it's okay. We won the last two years, and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, wait right, a minute, yeah. no, we're supposed to be there again. <laughs> yes. This team always finds a way. And so it is. It's humbling. It's tough that here we are on May the 9th or whatever it is, and we're not playing hockey more anymore. And the way it was so sudden, too. That, that's the other part that is really uh, a turnaround sucker punch in the stomach mm-hmm. that you feel like that we should, have been, we should be playing tonight in Washington, right? Yeah. Game seven. It should be tonight. And you know what this is? This is a pucker-up signal. We can't see it on the radio. <laughs> but you, can you only imagine... How uh, puckered up they'd be in Washington for a game seven. Oh. <laughs> you could cut it with a hacksaw. You, Diamonds would just be popping out into the street. <laughs> and the Penguins would be on the opposite end of the spectrum there. Oh. I mean, you'd have to like the Pens oh. in a game oh, seven. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you're right. I heard you guys when I was driving in that I don't think Backstrom was going to be ready to go again. Mm-mm. They would get Wilson back, but I, I almost felt like no, they played the, better without Wilson. No, right? Did. Because he seemed to be a bit of a distraction to them and what they really wanted to do. And I thought they played a little bit more controlled controlled aggression type of game. Mm-hmm. So now what? Now what? Uh, well, number, one, number one, heal the body. And mm-hmm. I heard this the other day, and you probably bounced around your room, 307 games in the last three years. That's a mm-hmm. lot of hockey. And I don't even think that's including the World Cup for some of these guys. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of hockey. And I'm sure fatigue is a factor mentally. 61 Physically, 60, emotionally. Eight playoff games or something like that in the last three years? What's that? 68 postseason games? Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah. they basically, yeah. they've nearly had four seasons in three. Right. Yeah, well said. So what's next, Randy? Uh, number one, heal the body. Decompress. Um, and, and enjoy your, your time off here. Then you got to look at uh, contracts. You know, you've got uh, Sidney Crosby for seven more years. You've got Phil, Gino, and Latang. They, I think, have four more years left. So you've got the, all those guys locked up. Uh, Brassari's got one more year. Haglin, one more year. And then they become UFAs. You've got a couple RFAs in Rust and Shahan you've got to take care of. But, you know, there's usually not a ton of leverage with those guys. Isn't Gensel up pretty soon, too? No, he's got another year left. This okay. is only the. So July 1, you could re sign him to an extension. And you want to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you yeah. definitely want to. Then you got the draft coming up. 
Not we, that long. Do we have any picks left, or did we trade them all for? No, we do. Actually, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't have a first round pick, obviously, <laughs> in the Broussard deal, but yeah. we do have a a second rounder. We do have uh, Ottawa's third rounder, so that'll be a higher third round pick. So. We're not in terrible shape. I think we have six picks out of the seven rounds. Matt Larkin from the Hockey News coming up at 9.30, and he's going to tell us why the Penguins dynasty is not dead. Ooh. Got to ask him one more question. All right, we're running late, but go ahead. No Broussard in OT. Never left the bench. Yeah. So you curious about that? Uh, I am. I am. Uh, I'm sure he's the most, out of all Penguins, he's probably the most disappointed because he just didn't get over. Yeah. I, I... I don't. I don't want to make excuses for him. I know last year he had a pretty major shoulder injury, surgery, um, and probably didn't wasn't able to work out the way. And this year, it, it was okay. It was good, but I think everybody was looking for great Derek Broussard, and we never really saw it. So it's kind of his time, though, isn't it? Like it's gonna, his you're time. Have and faith it didn't in happen. Somebody it didn't a... happen. But I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that you know. The, He'll be back next year, and you hope that he's a he's a better player and a more of a difference maker next next year with the whole summer to recover and and work out and train and and be ready to roll in September. He'll be here around the corner, the old ladies and gentlemen. Phil Bork, you heard him all season long, alongside of Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang on our brother station one hundred five nine the X, and you'll hear him all next season. So good, Crow, Randall, Valerie, and Michael for one last time. This was good hockey talk. 60 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Let's get right to the Stormy Daniels stuff. Uh, I guess she's getting, of course, lots of publicity these days. Penthouse just did a feature on her. She is touring. She was here last week. Mm-hmm. We didn't know anybody who went. Do you know anybody who went Mm-mm. to see her? No, I, I don't. don't. I read the article in the paper, which... You don't know any older progressive couples? No, that was funny that like people like Hillary supporters yeah. were going. Like, <laughs> what an odd way to show your... Uh, Devotion to a candidate. Uh, but apparently <laughs> she will do just about anything for money and not much money. Penthouse followed her to one of her stripping gigs. She was asked to crush a bag of Cheetos for a few extra bucks. She said, I'll do anything for $20, which seems anything? low. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's affordable. Yeah. Penthouse reports money was exchanged. Cheetos were scattered and she uh, she started crushing them. So I, I'm not sure it's if that was gross. some fetish by the people who no, asked her to do I'm it. I'm sure or... they just wanted to see her have orange boobs. Uh, Penthouse reports they got <laughs> Stormy to admit President Trump is not very big, that the sex wasn't anything special, which she admitted on 60 Minutes, and that during sex his hair flops around like, quote, a drunken cockatoo. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing that she said in the 60 Minutes interview was when, like, as soon as they finished, he wanted to reminisce about it. (laughs) Boy, how great was that? You know that thing that just happened five seconds ago? It's pretty great. (sighs) We'll always remember that, won't we? Uh, uh, Drunken cockatoo is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because it makes me wonder how she has that frame of reference. Right. Right. Um, I I just, I was talking to somebody the other day. I really would love, I just got to see how he gets his hair to look like that. I've, I've wondered about it and I think it's got to be dry shampoo. I think he puts one of those, those bags on his head, like some ladies do to, after they go to the salon and get their hair done. So it doesn't move because there's no way you can get that thing wet and get it back to that. Yeah. Cause it's long. Unless he does a handstand and like 
lowers his head into a cotton candy machine. It's swooped around the back and up over the front. It is basically two big swoops. <laughs> but does he do it? No. Because how could he do that? He probably yeah. can. He probably knows how to do it now. He's got a lot. I guarantee you he uses a lot of old school hairspray. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's got Aquanet from the 90s. Yes. <laughs> that stuff is like cement. Looks like he got a new uh, spray tan yesterday, too. Did he? Yeah. Looking really orange. <laughs> well, we're heading into summer, so. Yeah. You know. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you need to work out a little stress? Well, there was an article in the Post-Gazette about a place called the Break Room out in Irwin. Basically, you just go in and smash stuff. I wish I would have known about this as soon as the penguins got eliminated. You pick your smashables. They have different sizes, so I guess you can pick, like, knickknacks or... Oh, <laughs> for the meticulous You know, if rager. you want little stuff or great big stuff. You have dollhouse chairs? <laughs> <laughs> then you pick your weapons. They have crowbars, ball bats. Ball bats. Choose your, choose your weapon and then just smash away. Prices are based on the number of items you smash... And if you have breakable stuff you want to get rid of, they'll take it off your hands. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. It kind of has to be BYOS. Like, you got to bring your own stuff. Well, you don't have to, but you can, I guess, if you want. Break your own stuff. I want to break my own stuff. Go ahead. I got a history with my stuff. My stuff has been pissing me off. Yeah, but what satisfaction do you have in breaking a tchotchke? Like a little... The, you know what I mean? Well, maybe you're yeah. a little. Maybe you got to break a, something big. You got to break. Maybe you're a, a little lady. You got to or a little break, man. <laughs> a little lady. Maybe you're a I'd little like guy. To, I'd like to break a cracker dish. Is what I'd like to do. <laughs> Give me that hammer so I can hit that Hummel figurine. <laughs> That's, that doesn't relieve any stress. You got to break maybe something you, big, like a table or something or a car. Uh, I, mean, I don't. Maybe TV. it's proportionate to your physical size. I don't know. I'm saying break big or break home. <laughs> you might do both. The tchotchkes are funny, though. If they had, you know, just all these, like, little salt and pepper. Maybe you're like me. You hate dust and that stuff. So you just want to take all of it, get rid of all of it, and just go smash it. Some of that stuff, you don't even have to smash. You could just take it and fire it off the wall. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I'm get saying. At home. Right. Can you set but that room on fire? then you have to fire? clean it up. If you go there, you don't have to clean it up. If Gallagher Somebody would have been does. smashing plums, nobody would have gone to see him. It's got to be something. <laughs> That's my new band, I actually, Smashing Plums. There you go, Smashing Plums. I actually would go to see that. Somebody smashing plums? Yeah. You what plum. if he smashed it with a tiny, like one of those souvenir ball bats? As long as he's a midget, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Midget Gallagher? Oh, my God. <laughs> Dwarf Gallagher. Uh, it's not a bad idea. That's... Amazing to get, you know, with one of those uh, those mallets that you have at the, the whack-a-mole games at the Chuck E. Cheese's. Yeah. Give him one of those. I don't know why, but I just thought of that movie. Have him smash a grape. That really <laughs> terrible movie with Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale where Gary Oldman plays a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And he just walks oh around on his Lord. knees the whole time. Aren't they twins or something? And they're, tw- they're supposed to be twins. And it is the worst, most insensitive Stupid slash funny patronizing movie <laughs> slash hilarious. And the best part of it is, is Gary Oldman as the dwarf. I think he ends up nailing Matthew McConaughey's wife. Oh, 
Spoiler alert. You'll never watch the movie, so it doesn't matter. No, I want to watch the movie I think now. it's called Tiptoes. <laughs> Come on. Hold on. It's not Hold on. Tiptoes. I search Gary Oldman. Uh, Twinkle little, Toes. Little person. No, that might be it. Oh, it's Tiptoes. Yeah. 2003. Tiptoes. <laughs> yes. His name was Rolf in the movie. If you look up the, the the trailer for that movie, Tiptoes, you will think it's a joke. Seriously. You think it's a fake made? movie. No idea. Seriously. You will think it's a joke. It's a 90-minute movie. It is complete garbage. What's Gary the- Oldman, Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, Peter Dinklage. Wait. They actually have a small person in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little person. It has a 29%. <laughs> rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's uh, it's really bad. Anyways, all right. I don't know how we got there, but oh, we were talking about Dwarf we went Gallagher. The, yeah, we went from the brain Dwarf Gallagher. <laughs> of course, we ended up at Tiptoes. Well, predators could be coming to a neighborhood not uh, near you. Not the Nashville Predators. Uh, not this year, anyway. Uh, this is no surprise. A new report out of Duke University says animals like alligators, gray wolves, mountain lions, and bald eagles, among others, are spreading their wings in their habitats. Why? Because they're being driven out of their natural habitat by development. Brian Silliman, associate professor at Duke's Nicholas School of the Environment, says these critters are much more adaptable than we might have thought. He says they're finding ways to reclaim and adapt to areas they once inhabited that are now being developed. So if you wonder why you have all those deer in your neighborhood. Yeah, the geographical arrogance that I have driving like, what are all these deer doing on my street? <laughs> it's like, dude, we're just, we paved their habitat. This is where they live. Yeah. <laughs> and now we've got to kill them we, all. Yeah, that's right. Because I don't want to run one over on my way to Panera. Well, that's the worst thing if you hit it and it doesn't die, but it has a broken leg. Then you got to get out and snap Oh, God. You're way too good at that. That is a horrible sound to hear. <laughs> Speaking of driving. That's it, my uh, that's my car horn sound. <laughs> then you got to drag it to the smash makes, room. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and thankfully, Peter Dinklage is waiting there uh. with a ball-peen hammer. <laughs> one of those Bob the Builder hammers. <laughs> Sunny, low 80s for the high today. It's 60 at DVE. I know what you're thinking. That's it. It's over. We had a nice run. It's done. But the Penguins dynasty is over. Fear not. When we come back, Matt Larkin from the Hockey News will tell you why the Penguins dynasty is far from over. Mark Madden at 945. I'm sure we'll echo some of those sentiments. But uh, we'll also, we'll grieve together and we'll look toward the future. Because there's a lot of hockey left in this ball club. Ball club? Puck club. Ball bat. Listen to the DV Morning Show anytime. Use the iHeartRadio app. Just search DVE. Download iHeartRadio onto your tablet or smartphone. And search DVE through iHeartRadio.com. It is Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, in an effort to try and 
shed a little light on the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins and maybe take a little bit of the sting away from losing to the Capitals. Matt Larkin from the Hockey News joining us right now here live on the DVE Morning Show. Matt, good morning. How are you? I'm good, and uh, sorry, Pittsburgh. I know it must feel weird to not experience a Stanley Cup. It's been a while since yes. we weren't seeing that thing lifted up. Yeah, I know. It's and, and I didn't like the way that the Stanley Cup was tweeting at us as if we'd broken up. That that was a disconcerting series of events there. It was. It was true. It's pretty harsh uh, Twitter breakup there by the Stanley Cup. I know. Don't like you usually like to do those things in private, not on see other people. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. So let me ask you this right off the bat, Matt. What separates this Penguin team from the Blackhawks? of about uh, uh, 10 years ago. Right. It's a, it's a great comparison. I've been talking about it the last couple uh, days because it's natural to see. I mean, the Blackhawks were sort of a mini-dynasty as well. They won three Stanley Cups between 2010 and 2015, and their roster was structured very similarly, right? They were paying mm-hmm. the big stars, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, a lot of money, and over and over replacing the depth. And I think the Penguins have had a very similar model, and we've seen what's happened to the Blackhawks the past few years. I mean, St. Louis was the team that could never beat Chicago, just like Washington could beat Pittsburgh. St. Louis finally beat Chicago. but uh, And then we saw Chicago get swept last year in the first round, and now Chicago's out of the playoffs. So I, I would understand if people saw the Penguins, even the way you know you saw Patrick Hornquist lift, lifting his stick up to the crowd and then everyone coming and saluting, it felt like the end of something to me. It looked mm-hmm. symbolic, and I wouldn't blame any Penguins fans for panicking at that image because it did feel there was an air of finality there. But I don't think it's the same thing. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a better situation than the Blackhawks were. I think the main reason is that, uh, you know, if you look at Chicago, Duncan Keith, that the star defenseman is in his mid-30s. He's not who he was anymore. And I don't think Jonathan Taves is a superstar right now. You could argue he never really was. He's more of a two-way player. Uh, but on the Penguins side, I mean, three of the top ten scorers in the NHL this year were Pittsburgh Penguins. Jenny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Phil Kessel. So their elite players are still elite and will continue to be at least for another year or two. I mean, I know father time always wins. So eventually, maybe when Crosby and Malkin are about 50 years old, they'll stop producing. <laughs> but it, it, they've shown no signs of slowing down to any point. And I, I think, I mean, you could argue that Sid is a more complete player now than he's ever been. Um, so I think that's a, a massive factor, especially because they're both centers. They're each on different lines. And Phil Kessel is usually on his own line as well. Mike Sullivan has three elite offensive players that he often splits between three different lines. And that's what makes the Penguins so dangerous. I don't think that's going to change. Um, and I think goaltending, people are going to point to Matt Murray. And, you know, you're looking at what Marc-Andre Fleury is doing in Las Vegas, and you can have that revisionist history and say, oh, they should have kept Fleury. But, I mean, Matt Murray until this year had never not won the Stanley Cup, right? He had an amazing start to his career. And if you look at what a young goalie like Connor Hellebuck is doing in Winnipeg right now, Matt Murray is younger than Connor Hellebuck. That's how young Matt Murray still is. He's 23 years old, and in goalie years, 23 is almost like being 20 if you were a skater, right? That's very young for a goaltender. Um, and, and we all know, I mean, Matt Murray had a very tough year emotionally. He lost his father. He had a lot of injuries to overcome. And, and yes, I, I do think injuries are a legit concern for him going forward. Um, but he's still young, uh, and I think the Penguins got good backup goaltending from Tristan Drury and, and Casey DeSmith, so there is a safety net there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think this is the floor for Matt Murray. I, I absolutely expect him to be much better uh, next year. Uh, and I still think, I mean, I mean, Riley Sheehan's back, Derek Broussard's back, the Penguins are extremely deep up the middle. Um, and to me, the most exciting thing, I was looking at the Penguins' cap space, and what's interesting about this team is that so much of the roster is already locked up and signed, at least through next year. So GM Jim Rutherford doesn't have a ton of work to do. There's no big, scary contract he has to figure out uh, in the existing core. I mean, you have to resign Sheen and Brian Rust, but those guys aren't going to be getting major dollars. Uh, We know the salary cap's going up to, say, $80 million, which means the Penguins are going to have 
they might have $8 million or so, maybe $6 million, a decent chunk of change to play with. And that's excluding any trades that could send some salary away as well. Um, so I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that the Penguins can add one major piece this summer. Uh, it could be a defenseman. I mean, I think that seems to be the consensus that the team needs. So maybe it's, do you take a run at John Carlson? Do you take a run at Eric Carlson? I'm not sure. Do you go, do you aim a bit lower and try and sign someone on the left side like Calvin DeHaan? Wouldn't you be just kicking the can down the road a little bit there, though? I mean, if it, uh, the lack of draft picks that they seem to have seems, seems to be a bit of a worrisome uh, uh, point for Jim Rutherford going forward. Uh, yes, and but I think in this case, you kick the can so far, you have to continue. You have to keep kicking that can until it falls off a cliff because this team is in win-now mode. The Penguins haven't had a first-round pick. Those are going to be, what, four drafts in a row. And even if you go back five drafts, that was Kasperi Kapanen. They traded that pick away. So this team is in full sellout win-now mode. So in my opinion, it's why stop now? You have to finish the job. You have to keep going, push for championships until Crosby and Malkin's prime is over. And then when you reach that point, then it's time to say, okay, we've had our fun and it's time to start rebuilding. Is Chris Letang a guy that's going to keep him on top or they need to make a change there to get back on top? Oh, boy, what a good question. What a strange year for Letang because, I mean, he's been such an elite player and he's healthy for a change this year. But defensively, he was, um, I guess, an adventure would be the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, and it seemed like, yeah, Brian Dumoulin had a tough time almost having to support Letang. And who would have ever said that a year or two ago? Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, I still think the talent is so high in Matang that I wouldn't give up on him just yet. Um, and at the same time, he's not an easy contract to move, even if Rutherford decided to try and trade him. I mean, it's, what, $7.5 million. Um, so I suspect Latang will be a Pittsburgh Penguin next year. Um, and I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's been so good for much of his career. He's such a hard worker. He, he trains like a madman. I think if anyone's going to be the type of player to dedicate to improving, it's going to be him. Matt, the other wild card in this is that somebody else is going to win the Cup this year. Who is that going to be, and will that team be in position to do it another couple, three times? Oh, good question. I mean, I've been saying, I mean, my preseason pick was Pittsburgh, by the way. I had them three-peating. Um, but uh, when the playoffs started, my pick was Nashville Predators. I'm sticking with that pick, even though they've been inconsistent in the playoffs. Um, I still think with that defense core, uh, it's, and the thing about the defense core, it's so talented, but they're all relatively young, right? They're all still in their 20s. That, that amazing quartet, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Matias Ekholm. Um, so I think if the Predators win, I, to me, a lot of their best players are still young, even at forward, Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg, and you have a really exciting player who, the team is so deep, he can't really crack the roster right now, but Ilya Tovinen uh, is, is very exciting as a goal-scoring prospect. Uh, so I do think the Predators have the type of stuff to be sustainable. And it's funny, I, I mean, I think if you look at all the teams left in the race, Winnipeg, I mean, their core is extremely young, so if the Jets do it, I think they can do it again. Uh, I think Tampa is extremely talented. I think Tampa might have the most raw talent of any team in the league, top to bottom of the roster. I think they could do it again. Uh, I think Vegas is the one that's impossible to figure out because no one can understand anything Vegas does this year. And, I mean, mm-hmm. they have a lot of free agents, so who knows what to expect from them next year as well. Uh, Matt Larkin from the Hockey News. Before I let you go, I would imagine that writing about the Penguins that, hey, uh, look on the bright side, any sort of angle like that taken by a hockey writer these days, I would imagine was met with some degree of umbrage from the uh, greater hockey umbrage uh, uh, a population out there that is sick and tired of seeing the Penguins win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. I think people... Uh, 
consider the Penguins the, uh, an extremely spoiled franchise. And I mean, especially when you look at the, the history of superstars, right? Having Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby, Jenny Malkin, uh, the Penguins having spoiled, but just pure scoring superstars, right? Scoring title, MVP caliber superstars. Um, but so there was a little bit of pushback, and I think some people are saying, hey, what I'm saying now is what people said about Chicago two years ago uh, once, when they got bounced in the first round. But I, I really don't think uh, the situations are the same. I think that's oversimplifying it, and I think the Penguins are going to be just fine, at least for another year. Ah, uh, Matt, thanks so much for helping us see the bright side. We appreciate it, man. Take care. Hey, no problem. Matt Larkin from the Hockey News. You can check out that article. We linked it for you at DVE. Dot com. It's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Interesting comparison. Yeah. I think we got to figure out the Latang thing before. Uh, That's our Duncan Keith. The stars yeah. have to stay stars. I mean, it was I, I, his point about him training like a maniac and all that is very well taken. He's still exceptionally skilled, but he is maddeningly inconsistent, and it's old dog new tricks. It's hurting him. Maybe yeah. we could get Arthur Carlson. I mean, Eric, one of the Carlson, whoever. Well, one of the Carlson. any Carlson. The any Carlson will do. How about Mark Madden? That's next. DVE. Hey, hockey season is over. No more hockey games to worry about. It's time to take me out to the ball game. And uh, Randall, you know what's the best thing about baseball? No clock. Uh, the home team always gets to bat last. You never run out of time at the ballpark. That's the way it is in baseball, but that's not the way it is with Mother's Day. Mother's Day's coming. I'm here to tell you the clock is ticking. It's time to dial up Pro Flowers before time runs out. This is the last week you can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. That's if you use my promo code, Mike P. And that is a Mother's Day dinger worthy of a bat flip. Pro Flowers blooms are guaranteed to stay fresh for seven days, which means mom can enjoy them for at least seven days. And she deserves at least a week's worth of the spotlight, doesn't she? You can pick the delivery date of your choosing. That's guaranteed as well. You can even have your gift delivered on Mother's Day. That's more like a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the upper right corner, and use my code MikeP. That's proflowers.com, blue microphone, MikeP. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget to show mom how much she means to you. Order from proflowers.com today and hit one out of the park. It's the DVE morning show. Shh. <laughs> Stop. No discipline in the room, Mark. None. I'm being upstaged by what was said off the air. It's not fair. Remember, it's about me right now. It is. Yes. I would like to reset this entire segment if I could. Please do. Okay. Apparently, I can't. Uh, Mark Madden is joining us right now <laughs> from 105.9 The X. I look forward to listening to your show today. Why? Uh, uh, that's a great question. Yeah, I see nothing, you know, defining about today's show in particular. I mean, they're all real good. But I remembered what I was going to ask you. How many places have food named after you? Ooh, this is a fun question. That's a good question. Big uh, Shot Bob's. Big Shot Bob's has not one but two flavors of wings named after me. Chipinos. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Bob, Big Shot Bob's has two. What are the flavors? Uh, Big Sexy and Save Us 166. What, one, what? What's the... Two. What is the description of the the flavor? I co- they're both a high tech buffalo parm. Okay, and high tech. Delicious. Yeah. That what does good. that mean? Like it, different stuff, like ranch powder stuff, like that. Oh, it's like it's like gastro- microprocessors. It's like gastronomy type stuff, like really neat stuff. Okay, cool. So there's two of them there. <laughs> uh, Chipino Restaurant Cigar Bar with That's the Super Genius Burger. Three. Super Genius. What's on the Super Gen- Genius Burger? A brain food, I imagine. Right, avocados, probably veggie burger. It's probably stuff that's really good for you. Okay, that's three. Uh, blue cheese, bacon. Um, 
Soma Pizza uh, uh, near Oakmont Plum area. Four foods. Okay. Um, that's the Mark Madden Pizza, which is like, you know, the meat lovers with, with my okay. name on it. And um, uh, the Chopka's 2 on the south side has the Mark Madden Salad. Boy, oh wait, wow. wait, Mark Madden Salad. You got a salad? It's just no- an empty bowl? There's nothing on Please, Val. <laughs> there's nothing on there that's good for you. What's it's on it? Buffalo chicken fries, all the usual oh, Pittsburgh good. salad stuff. Delicious. Um, that's five, correct? No, four. But I'm forgetting somebody. Five foods. Four, four locations. Places. Yeah, I'm forgetting somebody. And I don't want to insult any. Oh, oh, uh, uh, my good friend Mark Davis at the bottle shop has the super genius, I believe it's an IPA, a beer. Hmm. So there you go. Wow. Mark Madden beer. Wow. You got we should covered. do a, a Mark Madden food crawl. A Mark Madden tasting. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do that. If we can do it next week, that'd be great. It'd be, you know, it'd be a nice uh, thing to do. We'll, we'll taste one a week when, when you come in here. That's great. Have them set in. Sure. I'm all for anything free. Yeah, why not? You get more than I do, for sure. Now, you don't have to uh, worry about the Stanley Cup coming into the uh, studio this year. If, if it can be done, it'll happen. It'll happen. The DV Morning Show will still somehow <laughs> get to celebrate. With right, the, the Penguins Cup. won't get the cup, but the DV Morning Show will. All <laughs> right, we just had Matt Larkin on from the Hockey News, and he said, uh, worry not Pens fans, the dynasty is far from over. There are plenty of reasons to believe that they can still win another cup with this concurrent uh, lineup of Penguins and uh, the room that GMJR has to move around. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I don't know if I'd call it a dynasty. I think that's impossible in a cap era, although I think if they won three out of four, you could certainly tag at that. Yeah. But- but let's wait till then. I, I think the big thing is they uh, they got a great core, albeit an aging core, not old but aging. They they got to get some fresh energy in there. Uh, in sixteen, they brought up uh, Rust and Sherry and Kuhnhockel, and they they provided that that jolt. Uh, last year it was Jake mm-hmm. Gensel. This year, guys like Dominic Simone, Zach Aston Reese before he got hurt. They they just didn't bring the same type of electricity or performance to the team. So I, I think they have to get a little bit of new blood in there. Where that comes from, I don't know. I would guess that Aston Reese makes the team from the get-go next year, as should Daniel Sprong. But that's uh, that's a rough one because Daniel Sprong and Phil Kessel are the same player, uh, albeit Kessel is better, albeit Sprong is younger and cheaper. They had the same amount of goals against the Capitals. Well, Phil was playing very badly hurt, and uh, I think he's owed a bit more respect than that. Thank you very much, Mike. Do we know what's wrong with Phil Kessel? No. Gino, Gino, I guess, had the, had the knee. Right. Bad knee, but no, we don't know what's wrong with Phil. Torn oblique? I don't think Phil has obliques, <laughs> nor do I. Fractured hip? Oh, where, where is this coming from? I don't know. I mean, I'm always expecting it to be significant because are we, anytime. Are we going to find all that the stuff? The season out today? ends, you find out these guys are yeah, playing t- on. Today's, today's breakup day, which. Broken bones. Uh, I'm not going to. I've seen enough of those guys the past three years, and they have me, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, everything will probably be revealed today. Which Gino already to know about because the Russian national team or, or the uh, IIHF made an announcement. Uh, but uh, you think GMJR is going to deal Latang somehow? No, I don't think he should either. Uh, there are very few number one defensemen in this league, and Chris Latang is one. No matter what the hoy polloi think, he was terrible though. Uh, he wasn't terrible. He's he wasn't. Bad. He wasn't what he needs to be. He's he wasn't bad. what they needed. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, he, he made some critical mistakes that blew up in the net, including but, the game winner. Uh, no, that was a good stick on puck play by Kuznetsov to 
convert a turnover very quickly up the middle. Latang was joining the rush when the Penguins had the puck, as he is told to do by the coaches, as every defenseman is told to do by the coaches. And I think that's one thing that needs to be dialed back a bit. I think Mike Sullivan's a brilliant coach, but it's a copycat league. A lot of teams cut up to the Penguins in terms of speed. The Penguins slowed down a little bit, and this constant pinching by the D and the defenseman jumping into the play all the time, I think has to be tempered based on who the opponent is, how well they have that red, which the Capitals clearly did, and also based on score and situation. But but to get back to your original point, I would keep Latang. You couldn't make a good deal for him anyway because his cap hit's so big and because of his recent injury history. Um, I think once he gets a year clear from major neck surgery and has a full offseason to work out, he'll return to being the Chris Latang they need him to be. Although... Uh, to be fair, I think he needs to simplify his game a little bit as he gets older. Do you think that any part of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, reaction to Mason Rudolph was uh, extreme, unfounded, or wrongheaded? Well, first off, I think we need Ben Roethlisberger to mentor the younger Penguin players. <laughs> Not a bad idea. I, I think that would that would help the team uh, quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, I, I saw Ben's point about the third-round pick that, you know, that could have been used to, to, to get somebody that could help now. And and when I said on my show, people said, well, they're not going to get a starting linebacker at third round. I go, yeah, but they might get somebody better than Dirty Red. Uh, The same thing with picking an offensive tackle that early, you know, a guy they just don't need to play Mm -hmm. right now. But but I don't blame the Steelers for that either because if Ben doesn't understand how the Steelers draft, he just hasn't been paying attention. They don't draft for right now. Uh, When they have, it's gotten them in a lot of trouble, like Troy Edwards in 1999, which is the last – Example I can think of where they just felt they had to have a wide receiver so badly they took a crap one in the first. You don't think he's a good player? I do. I'm saying they drafted for now with T.J. Watt. Uh, They drafted him because he he was the best player available, too. At a position of need, albeit sometimes. Artie Burns, too. Sometimes the two things cross. Artie Burns is a real good player, too. Like they they weren't. I think he took a step back this year, but yes. Yes, I do, too. But he was like the last corner. But the but point it's still is, a highly regarded why, why do, why do, why do, uh, why are people surprised that this was Ben's reaction? I mean, personally, well, if I, if, if he had asked me how to handle it, I would have been like, well, first of all, uh, don't say, uh, what you're thinking. <laughs> we already know what you're thinking. Well, anybody just think that and say the thing you're supposed to say, and we'll all know you're full of crap. Well, like, like I just said, anybody who was, if Ben was surprised by the way the Steelers drafted, shame on him. If we were surprised by what Ben said, shame on us. Because <laughs> that's just, you know, how Ben operates. And I, I really have no problem with it. I find it incredibly entertaining. And another thing I, I spoke out quite a bit against on the show is the notion that the older guy is supposed to mentor the younger guy. It's uh, it's such crap, and it is so circumstantial. The fact that the M- Monday morning quarterback said Tommy Maddox did it for Ben, and he's not repaying. There's a big difference between Tommy Maddox at that point in his career and Ben Roethlisberger now. It, it, whatever you think of it, they have a long tradition of doing that on that team in that locker room. That that's fine. And that, that's big just the way, difference. The way it's always been done. Any there. anybody who who trains somebody to take their job is a fool, and there aren't too many fools among really highly paid quarterbacks. Do you think Brett ben Favre o- didn't do it? Joe Montana didn't do it. Ben Roethlisberger shouldn't have to. Now, do Now politically, it. I just think he handled it wrong. I just think he shouldn't have said what he said. I thought it was wonderful. No, nah, it was it was a bad move. Do he you think just- he's going to try to get Mason Rudolph Garoppoloed out of Pittsburgh? <laughs> Demand he well, be traded. Talk, talk about an extreme example of a quarterback protecting his turf. Because make no mistake, that's exactly what happened. He had them empty the clip. 
I mean, they got rid of all their quarterbacks. But that's just it. We were watching the Penguins. There can be only one. <laughs> Once again, and we're talking about, like, win now, win now. And the, the, the Steelers have made a move that is clearly for the future. Well, but that's just what the Steelers do. Mike, am I right? They they never draft for a window. They never draft for right now. I mean, sometimes those well, they things... Do both. They usually, the higher picks are usually for now, and the later picks are usually developmental guys. But usually usually the two paths cross when it's a pick for now and the best athlete available. Like with Artie Burns, like with, sometimes, the, like yeah. with Watt. I mean, so, when they needed a safety, they traded up and got Troy. Uh, when they needed a wide receiver before they got Santonio Holmes, right? But that's uh, getting the best guy. When they needed too. a tight end, they got Heath Miller. But that's uh, getting the best guy. Yeah, well. I mean, you could you could say that. I mean, it's not getting a a reach guy. Well, I, I will say this: I don't think there's any. I, I don't see them having any remote chances of championship with the middle of their defense as the way it's constructed. Uh, How about you, Mike? It's going to have to be uh, Pittsburgh forty-five. The other guys forty-two next time. And it never really works out that way, does doesn't it? Seem no, to. it doesn't. It didn't against the Jags. It didn't against the Patriots. I, when 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 uh, when uh, I heard that uh, the, the safety they drafted Bennett in the first round, I heard he, some people are defending the pick, and I don't think it's a bad pick. I think it's a bit of a reach. I liked what uh, I forget which analyst. Oh, Mel Kiper, who who knows nothing and gets off the hook the next day after the draft because there's no accountability. Great gig, and we should all yes, celebrate uh, his, no question, his genius no in coming up with that. But Mel Kuyper kind of refl- he said, I love the draft except for the first pick. And I didn't hate the first pick, but when I heard he's a package guy, like he is, you know, he's a hybrid. There's plenty of packages the Steelers will use him in. I go, well, I hope they come up with a package for second and two because they're <laughs> going to be facing a lot of second and twos yeah. with the middle of that defense. You know, I, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, Did you go see Spurman? And you know what? A lot of teams are going to pass on second and two. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's true. It's a good point. You didn't go see Stormy? No. You're not a fan? No, I am. She's been on the show. I'm just, I'm aging out of the strip club scene, Randall. I have for a couple years now, but. Asian? Be, aging. Oh. oh. Aging. But she's like a special. Aging. She's but, a special yeah. attraction. She's unique. Yeah. She's a big headliner. Uh, uh, <laughs> Val, a special attraction? A stripper? Who's been with famous people for money? <laughs> that's not that special of an attraction. When are you going to write a tell-all? <laughs> uh, please, a little decorum, Bill. Crawford. I don't know why you have not written a book. Now's the time to write your book. That's what I'm saying. Because you can still milk another one out of it. Uh, you can get your second book out by the time you're ready to retire. I don't. That's a lot. Of, I've written a book, as you know, the Ric Flair autobiography. Yeah, but that's not your book. It's, it's a lot of work, though. It's, it's a lot of work. I don't want to work. Book. I don't want to work. You do. No, you want to be no. passionate about something. This is something you can be passionate about. I don't want to be passionate about anything. Boy, <laughs> we got to relight the fire in you, Mark. Yeah, you yeah. seem a little down today. Yeah, good. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, the club lost, although that makes everybody's life a lot easier. There, I'm sorry they lost, but like, like I said on my show yesterday, in the locker room Monday night, there was obviously a lot of disappointment, but there was just a little bit of relief. Well, that's a long three years. That's 307 games. I can understand that perfectly. Yeah, they didn't seem uh, crushed beyond recovery. Yeah. Right. They're 20 games away from doing four seasons in the span of three. Well, they know how hard it is to win. And, you know, it, there's, the only way to figure that out is to win. <laughs> so so they, uh, I think they'll be right back at it next year, though. I, I, getting back to what we talked about at the top of the segment, I still think it's a really good team. I just think they need something to light the fuse a little bit. And I think... They'll benefit by the longer offseason for them. And there's some guys that can't play anymore that they need to recognize that. Like Connor Sherry is not an NHL player right now and certainly not at the caliber that they require. Dominic Simone, I know he's Mark Recchi's pet project. He can't play a lick. 
They they need Why to get bump pa- him up to the top line. They need to five. get past. Well, that, that was in pursuit of balance, which I get, but you can't say it didn't work because Sid's line scored basically being a two man show. But uh, but you know, but to I, your point, like that guy should have pucks bouncing off of him into the net, scoring by accident, running with Crosby. I, I think I think Jake and Sid just bypassed him after a while. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's let's freeze him out. We don't need him. We'll just score ourselves. Uh, one guy I've developed even more appreciation for is Patrick Hornquist. Uh, whatever line he gets put on is better. He's the fix for whatever line is struggling. And when they signed him, first of all, I didn't think they could sign him. I didn't think they would sign him. I wasn't sure they should sign him. But when they did, I was glad because he's just he's he he's as irreplaceable as a guy below that very top line of players can be. Mark Madden, one hundred five nine the X. Check him out this afternoon. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Sorry we ran out of time today. We went way over. Did we go way over again? Yeah, you, gonna, you know what, Mark? You're worth it. I want I you to. Two, I want you to believe you're worth it. I got. I, I don't. Uh, I got. I got two big ticket presales today too. Four. White Snake in Las Vegas. But that must have been a tough ticket. A headliner? No, that that, that hasn't gone on sale yet. Where no. are they playing? Uh, they're playing at Red Rocks Casino. It's a headline show. They're doing. Uh, they're on the underbill for Foreigner and Jason Bonham on a big nationwide tour. But this. So is they're headline not show. headlining. Uh, they are in in Vegas. That's a smaller. Oh, show. I see what you're saying. Okay. And then uh, Queen's residency with Adam Lambert in Vegas oh, in September. Yeah. Whoa, boy, that's an underrated uh, show right there. Uh, have you seen it? that Queen with Adam uh, Lambert? No, uh, I looked into it after you told me how much you enjoyed it it's or brilliant. how badass he is, and I was like, wow. Actually, they did find somebody who can do that stuff. It's like he channels Freddie, and he's not imitating Freddie. Does he wear a mustache? But there's uh, nobody wears the crown. But there's just <laughs> so much like of the same feel with him doing it. It's, it's just wonderful. That just surprises me you like him. Like who, Queen and Adam Lambert? Why? I don't know. You don't seem like an Adam Lambert kind of guy. Well, within the con, I mean, I, I did. You know, I don't buy his solo stuff. I thought he was okay on American Idol, but I didn't watch that very much. But I just, I loved Queen, always have. Yeah, good deal. Uh, well, have fun out there, out west. And think well, about- that's not for months. I'll literally be on this show dozens of times between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the who's <laughs> or, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe this is it. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for a great season, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and Sherry are going to a, a morning show to be new was, Did you see that picture online of... Uh, a lot of Penguins were golfing, and they ran into Shenderovich and Shenderovich. No, there's a picture online, and there's a you know photo of the group. Connor Sheary is about an inch taller than the Shenderoviches. Dude, that alone. <laughs> Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Sherry. Yeah, was, maybe we, the Pens can sign Fishman. He was better when he was Sheary. It is true. Ever since we started yep. saying his name right, he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? Nice guy, that, that Connor Sherry. You're not kidding. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks to Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. He was great. Really enjoyed talking yeah, he with was. him. He uh, didn't quite sound Canadian enough. Boy, he was. Uh, that was I'm your Canadian sorry. quotient for the month, wasn't it? Wow. Phil Bork in studio earlier, and uh, he was. He, he had a little more steam coming out of his ears off air. He was trying to. He was controlling it, I He's think. Channeling it. Yeah. And uh, special thanks, as always, to Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, for stopping by. He's got a couple of shows at the Arcade Comedy Theater this weekend. I believe those are Friday night, Bill. Yep. Yep. Two shows. Make sure you go out and see Mr. Wednesday. All right. Good deal. Tomorrow on, on the show, Bill Deasy, hopefully stopping by to mm-hmm. uh, talk about the summer concert series, the, the Allegheny County. Uh, County Parks, yeah. Sound uh, Summer concert Is White series. Snake plan? Uh, no. But if they are, we'll be sure to get Mark some VIP. Can't Reb just hook you up? Why do you? Why are you trying to get 
uh, because Rev will hook me up, and he, you know, I go backstage. You don't like to go the, to the well. I go backstage for the very overrated White Snake experience. Overrated, but that's on their backstage thing. They they give you a pass with the note. The White Snake backstage experience always overrated, often disappointing. Starts at at such and such a place, <laughs> but uh, no, Rev Rev uh, Rev would give me tickets, but like he, he'd wait till the last minute. It wouldn't be good tickets. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. They'd be free, but they wouldn't be good tickets. Yeah. So like this way, I get like you know couple first couple rows. All right, you got to do that. Yeah. All right, I get it. That's good. Plus, you don't want to go to the well. You know what I mean? You know, he, he, he doesn't want. You don't want to bother him. No, I'd bother him for sure. All right, bother him. All right, Mark Madden this afternoon. Michelle's coming up next with the electric lunch. We got beautiful weather. Uh, we're free from hockey, but that I, my contention is still this: this is an okay feeling as a Penguin fan right now. This is the gift the Penguins winning has given us. A sense of contentment that it's okay that the season is over. We got a couple in the bank. We just watched back-to-back Stanley Cup victories. We shouldn't feel bad about losing uh, to the Capitals. And yet, there's something in the back of my head that is going to constantly gnaw at me that we should still be playing hockey while I'm enjoying all the extra time I have. One slight consolation prize. Don't forget who we eliminated. Yes. Philadelphia. They still, we still haven't seen them win the Cup. 43 years. 43. Connor Sherry. Hmm. <laughs> Troy Polamalu. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, okay. I feel like there's more, but there's not. I'm trying. It really is. I'm really struggling. I'm looking now. for that snappy line to I end am. with. You yeah. can't come up it's with it. It's not there. I'm not. It's not supposed to be me. It's supposed to be you. This is your segment. No, I'm supposed to feed you for the snappy line, which I think I've done several times, and you've just prolonged it by way of. Some would say no. you're gargantuan ego. I just think you don't know when to stop. Al Jaffe. <laughs> you are not. Gargantuan Ego in the Coffee House this Friday. Stan Savern, Bill Deasy, and a whole lot more tomorrow. That's it. Terrible ending, and that's Mark Madden's fault. <laughs> I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. <laughs> I just want to say that you can feel content about the ending of the show sucking, Mark, because we've had so many ends of the shows that have been great before. It's okay that this one fell short of the mark. Why did you come back?